What is happening guys? Dave here from Metal Epidemic, back with a Metal Epidemic podcast. It's been a little while, almost a month, since our last podcast. I mean, you, you'd be jonesing for a little bit of Metal Epidemic podcast in your life, so we're back with another episode. Joining me on the episode, my trusty colleagues, Duncan and Kyle. How are you doing, gents? Very well, thank you. About Kyle? Yeah, I'm good. Yes. Excellent. Yeah, good. All Excellent. good. Yes. <laughs> Jonesing. There's a word that isn't used in 2020, Dave. <laughs> I think you'll find it is, Duncan. I think you'll find that that word died out two decades ago. <laughs> and everyone was happy that it did. Um, I am bringing it back. I am bringing the cold to this recording. The cold, whiskey and copious amounts of sarcasm. So strap oh. yourselves in. Here it starts with the excuses already. <sighs> Whiskey good. <sighs> Sarcasm on fleek. There's a modern Fleek? Yeah, I don't have a fucking clue what it means either. I just know that people say it. <laughs> and I will use it in every context tonight during the recording until one of them lands correctly. It's like when you throw <laughs> seven darts at the same time at a dartboard hoping that one hits the bullseye. One's, I mean, the law of averages dictates <laughs> that at some point... My verbiage will be on fleek. <laughs> Your verbiage. <laughs> That's right. I, I do not like the way this has started, but anyway. <laughs> we try again. Who do you take two? Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll reset the fleek. <laughs> we'll find it where it goes. It'll go, it goes somewhere. You're flicking off your head, right? <laughs> Let's get this fucking show on the road. Um, it's been a it's been a busy old month. Um September, we uh, we we were we've been reviewing our tits off to be uh, to be frank. Um, some uh, some really good releases over the last month or so. Um, that in fact that uh, that Napalm Death album is still getting all my attention. It's fucking amazing. Oh dear! It's, it's re- it, I mean, it's as it stands just now, and I don't want to give anything away. It's in my top three for the year. Um, and I think it's deserving of being and I never thought had you asked me at the start of the year <laughs> would I be considering preparing a top 10 list of metal albums and I would have said probably not because I don't do that anymore and then if you said how about I tell you you will be and mm. Napalm Death will be in your top 3 I would have pissed my pants then made you <laughs> wear my pissy pants um, because I honestly it's like the, the re-listen value to that album, to that the, to an album which is as extreme as the Napalm Death album is, is mm. ridiculous. Especially yeah. the 14th album. It's like, come on. <laughs> how how are you sense. finding your feet now? You know? yeah. I mean, it's like it's like they finally got in the studio and the recording was on fleek. <laughs> what One time right? you use it right, I think I'm going to piss my pants. What are them right? <laughs> <laughs> Just out of sheer surprise. <laughs> yep. What did you rate the album? Five fleeks out of five. That's right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's not even that though. I think from our previous podcast when we did our topic, which was to talk about anticipated releases, I think I I would say more than fifty percent of the ones we mentioned have been released by the time we're recording this. So mm-hmm. that's kind of mm-hmm. nuts as well. So just to put things in perspective, that that month has been kind of busy. Yeah. Definitely. My in October's been pretty much the same. It's shaping yep. up pretty nice as well. Um been digging, still digging that um La Finn album and the Ocean as well, actually. Oh, those those two albums oh. I've heard them on quite a few times. Oof. Really good. 
And we can now pronounce yeah. it right. Luffin. Luffin. <laughs> Not Luffin. Or whatever Dave called it. And they're like, what are you, what, you're what are Scottish. You if there's one country in the world that should pronounce this right, it's you guys. Yep. And it's like, watch, hold my, hold my beer. Watch this. Uh, that's what happens when you overthink things, don't you? <laughs> We've got paranoid. Ooh. It's been since Haken. We are... <laughs> Constantly paranoid now that every yeah. name of the band we pronounce, which isn't something like Bob or Joe, is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and even then, I'm not sure it's not boob in in hill, <laughs> which it could be if they're from Mexico. Uh, so yeah. there we go. Yeah. See, there's always that chance. There is. Um, there's always the Mexican chance. <laughs> the Mexican chance. <laughs> so. Um, what do we have on the show for you today? Well, we will be chatting about our uh, most recent album picks or listening history over the last kind of month or so. Uh, we'll also be playing you some brand new music and hopefully introducing you to a new band or two. We have album reviews coming up of the new album from Red Moon Architect and also the new Defecto album coming up very soon. Plus... We have another topic for discussion. <laughs> oh yes, we're quite liking these topics now. Um, fully prepared, hours of blood, sweat, and tears in the background as the metal epidemic team sat and scoured over lists and lists, mm-hmm. delved deep into their archives of music to compile mm-hmm. the definitive list on the topic we have. There was none of this yep. last minute. Run about the place like a fanny, try to put together that list. No, list no. Prepared no. on fleek. <laughs> I actually don't even we, know what I'm doing. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to Google this word because I I no longer know what that means. I don't even know what it is. Uh, Urban Dictionary at the break. Let's find out if I've used if it's been used at least once right at all in this opening segment. My my. my my wrong meter is saying it probably hasn't. <laughs> okay, okay. But that's okay. Um, uh, yeah, it's fine. Pretty sure it's got something to do with eyebrows from California. There we go. <laughs> so I will tell you right now, everything I have said is spot on. I think <laughs> eyebrows are versatile. They come in many shapes and sizes. So everything I've said has been spot on. Or as the kids like to say, on fleek. How many whiskeys did you have before starting recording I've this? got the cold, right? I've got the cold and I'm... He's been drinking I'm all day. God. self-medicating, <laughs> God damn it. I've got a call. Whiskey's <laughs> <right>. on fleek. <laughs> it's got eyebrows in it. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> like it. You're not meant to drink and pluck at the same time. Uh, it's true. It's true. Oh, man. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yes, c- coming up on the show, we will be discussing our most underrated albums. Mm, caveat yes. that motherfucker. Most underrated albums by bands that have released many albums. <laughs> so yes. not just underrated. We could have one and done. There's a there's a future topic. <laughs> one and done. Best albums from one and done. Like bands that only ever released one album and nothing else. That's not fair. I'm not allowed to vote for my own band. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle would just have like, he'd like like Kyle's bands would be the top five all these projects he'd be like this one. Oh, you've never heard of this one have you <laughs> this one was inspired by mud 
<laughs> it didn't go anywhere. Yeah. So it's an interesting topic. I'm going to say right now, it's going to be controversial. We're going to get to our list. We're going to be like, fuck off. That's, you know, you're either going to disagree or it's going to be, no, that is well-established and well-known as their best album. Shut the fuck up, Duncan. Which could yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah, it could happen. But before all of that, we do have plenty more for you. I'm going to play a little bit of music for you right now, just to get us started. And uh, our first single of the podcast comes from a band called Lastel, who are a atmospheric post-hardcore band from Oxfordshire in the UK. Uh, with comparisons being drawn to the likes of Devil Sold the Soul, Casey Under Oath, Being As Notion, and Elijah, like three fucking amazing bands in there already. Uh, uh, Lestelle... Dave didn't mention what three they were. You mentioned four <laughs> bands there, didn't you? And one of them isn't in that list of three amazing bands. You're just going to leave that hanging there, aren't you? You I'm son gonna tell of a you. bitch. Son of a bitch. Uh, Lestelle are writing music that blends the power of hooks and post-hardcore with the dense soundscapes and textures of post-rock. The band recently joined forces with new UK label, Year of the Rat Records, back in August and released their first single, Coping Without a Cure, which has already racked up over 50,000 plays on Spotify alone. Their new single, Distant Bodies, is out now on all digital platforms and I'm going to play it for you right now. This is Lestelle and Distant Bodies. We'll be back right after this. Baby 
That was Listel with Distant Bodies. If you like the sound of that, want to hear some more, check them out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Listel Band. Nice. Thank you for that, guys. Appreciate it. Um, next part of the podcast, as we always do, we always start this off with a little bit of what have you been listening to? Mm. <laughs> and it's been, as I said at the beginning, it's been a busy old month. So there's plenty of stuff that we've been listening to that we that we've reviewed, and also a lot of stuff that we haven't reviewed just because there's so fucking much. Um, I think the I think the first one we need to sit and talk about oh, is probably probably the big one of September. It was the one that everyone was waiting on. It's the new Deftones. Did they have an album that came out? <laughs> they, they, they did. They had a little album out called Ohms, Duncan. Um, Ohms. I should, you should check it out. You quite like the Deftones. I Ohms, think you should. my God. Um, <laughs> I should have listened to that. <laughs> Apparently the cold side effects of the whiskey is dad jokes all night. Love it. Yeah. Um, yep. New Deftones, lads. What are we thinking? Did we like it? Was it was it fleek? Or <laughs> instantly it has lost its coolness. <laughs> it really has. And now I no longer want to use it. That's how you that's how you get me to stop doing things. Dave just has to do it and then I instantly am like that. Ugh. Excellent. I will take the reins. I will take that baton and run with it for the rest of the show. Honestly, I feel a little bit sick now, thanks. <laughs> um I, I mean all three of us had it on our or lists of like mm. most anticipated releases until yeah. the end of the year. So um, yeah. it's probably a safe bet to start off with it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I I will go first. I will go first. Go for it. Um, go for it. I think it's fucking amazing, right? And I think... <laughs> Surprise! There is a very strong reason why I think it's fucking amazing. I think it's the first album maybe since Diamond Eyes. Uh, so what's that like in... So it's be three albums since Diamond Eyes, um, where it kind of feels like they're writing as a band. So everyone mm. has like almost equal billing on the recording, and I think that makes for a very rich listen. Um, this one's maybe their most synth heavy album they've ever done, out with something like White Pony, where they're using it more for a- atmospherics, but it, it really takes a driving force here. So Frank Del is it Delgato or well, D'Angelo or um, De La Cruz? Uh, I don't know. But just, it's De La Soul. Frank De La De La Soul. Um, Delgado, I think it is. Delgado. Um, yeah. I mean, I've always loved the contribution that he has given the Deftones. I think it's an important part. I think it's a bit that's really easily overlooked because everything usually else on the Deftones album mm. sounds shit fucking hot. Um, but. It, it's most of what he's done in the past is kind of back up what Chino's doing or really add that kind of darker, sinister element to what the band puts or even some of the more kind of beautiful parts. Mm. I think specifically on this release, though, he takes a more prominent part in actually creating melodies independent of what Chino's doing. I think that really stands out for me. I think the guitars are really interesting on it. I think those that were expecting a like completely different sound than Deftones probably didn't get what they wanted, but in some parts they did. Some songs here are not stereotypical Deftones songs, and then mm. other songs are 
textbook cookie cutter Deftones songs. And yeah. weirdly, what I found about the album is it kind of almost feels like a strange Rosetta Stone bridging the gap of different decades. There are bits on here that sound reminiscent of Adrenaline with the guitar work, right through to bits that sound kind of in, in the vein of of your white pony right through to stuff that's kind of diamond eyes heavy and then bits yeah. that even reminded me of gore so it kind of feels like they've they've they really kind of delved in and just tried to experiment with different versions of the band i think yeah. the production is shit hot like so terry date being back here is it does my heart good I, I forgot how much i miss terry date as a producer i think he he sometimes i think people forget the 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 range of bands he worked with. Um, yeah. Like everything from a Pantera right through to a Deftones. Um, <clears throat> it, I think all it doesn't that, really do much at all. It doesn't like, do much at all. He's kind of like stepped back from it all. Yeah. And Although he's doing, I think he's doing the the Reinventing the Steel um, yeah. anniversary edition. I think that's the only other thing he's doing this year apart from that and Deftones. Which, to be honest, if that's all you've got in your resume for 2020, you are doing fucking great. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think like he brings um, a kind of a fuller sound here. Like oh, whether you like Gore or not, Gore was deliberately sparse in parts, um, mm. and even to an extent, uh, Yoi no what was it Koi no Yokan um, mm-hmm. was similar. It was like I had a rich sound, but there were huge kind of abstract sections. Well, not a lot was actually happening. It was going kind of spacey and stuff. Ohms feels focused feels almost laser-focused in delivering songs that don't just feel like Chino is the main guy. In the last couple of albums, Chino's been the main guy. This feels like a band effort. And yeah, to me personally, and this might be the bit where you all spit your drinks and go, you're fucking high, Duncan. (laughs) This might be a top three Deftones album. the, The more I listen to it, the more bits I pick out, and the more I pick out, I, I think... Interestingly enough, I think the order they released their singles may have muddied the water a bit. Some of the reviews mm. I've read are people like, I was expecting an album full of songs that sounded like Holmes, and you mm-hmm. didn't get that. Whether Had they released Genesis first, um, which you think they would have because of the name, um, had they released Genesis yeah. first, which is a very, this is a Deftone song if ever there was a Deftone song. Um, Had they done that way and then released Ohms as a second single, I think people would have went in with more realistic expectations of what they were going to get. But yeah, Mm. I think this is across the board. um, This is a a fucking great Deftones album. So it more than lived up to what what expectations I had. Surprise, surprise, Dave. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you've said there. Um, it's a very solid album, um, and I, I totally agree with you what you're saying about the you know different moments. It did feel like they were kind of pulling together all these like highlights mm. like of their career into one almost. Um, there were all these little moments that would remind you of different albums, um, and I think because of that, it's probably one of their most like dynamic releases since probably since Diamond Eyes. Yeah. Um, a ton of like texture to it. Uh, Terry Date, brilliant, uh, absolutely cracking job uh, job on the album. Um, 
capturing all those little kind of intricacies on the album. Um, I think Error was probably my favourite track. Oh, yeah, that's so fucking good, man. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Really good track. Just loved the like the feel and the bounce of that track. Um, but I had, again, I had like kind of stylings of something you'd hear on Diamond Eyes as well. Great chorus. Um, uh, is it my favourite Deftones album? Probably not. But um, as you said, I think there's there's a lot of it that feels familiar. Um, but I, I still think, like you said, it's a very strong addition to their catalogue. I, 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 I went back and listened to a lot of their older stuff when I was when I once I'd listened to Ohms, um, and I, I did realise how much I actually dislike Gore. It's one of my least favourite albums for Deftones. It's, it's a deliberately it's a deliberately abrasive sounding album. You yeah. know what I mean? It is it weirdly fits its name. Yeah, it does. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's an unpleasant album to listen to. I think there's maybe about two or three songs on it that I think. I can hear the the kind of vibrancy that I want from a like a Deftones album. Um, mm. It's not a bad album by any stretch of the imagination. It just isn't. As I used to always think, Saturday Night Wrist was their what was the album that I didn't like. And interestingly yeah. enough, that's the one that's grown most of me over time. I don't like the right. first three songs mm-hmm. on that that album, but I think everything from about track five onwards is legitimately brilliant. Like really fucking yeah. super super strong, um, but I, I would agree with you. Gore, I, I I have to be in a certain frame of mind, and it probably yeah. is a I'm fairly pissed off before <laughs> I would shove on Gore because that's how I feel yeah. by the end of it. <laughs> so it's weird. Yeah. It's, it's a weird one, Dave. It's weird, Dave. Yeah. So. Did you listen to it, Kyle? Did you listen to Holmes? Yeah, I gave it a couple of listens, and to be honest, I haven't got much more to say that you've already not said. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, okay, cool, yeah. It was yeah. a very good Deftones album. It was not anybody else writing that album. It was yeah. definitely Deftones. <laughs> There's a bit in one of the songs as well, I can't remember, like, I've listened to it so many times, it all blows out the one. But the reason I mentioned, like, Adrenaline there, there's a bit where I swear to God it's a play on uh, Board. Mm. The riff starts picking almost identically the same, and I, I tell you right now, I did not realise my dick could get as hard as it did for the first time. I'm like, oh yeah, fucking bastard. I am now tent pulling. Uh, the, the, the blood has rushed from my head into my dick. Um, as, yeah, I, I think, well, I mean, yeah. Well done, Deftones. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. we're, we're acting surprised here. I know. I think I've said before, they've not got a bad album. Even the ones that we're saying are, you know, Gore's like an unpleasant album to listen to. It's not a fucking bad album. <laughs> so No, it's, no, it's not a bad album. <laughs> oh, man. No. Uh, aside from Deftones, there was another few kind of big releases. Um, another one that would probably be on Duncan's radar was the new Marlon Manson, which was, like when we brought it up before on previous podcasts, um... Duncan, you were pretty much, you were quite looking forward to it. Kyle, I think you were looking forward to it as well, weren't you? Mm. Kyle yeah. was curious. <laughs> uh, I, I could not have gave less of a fuck about this new album from Marlon Manson. Um, I, but I, and going in, I had my expectations set extremely low. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah but he's, he's, he's had a couple ups and downs over the years. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Um, so much so that I like, I did start to like question his abilities at one point. I was like, I'm not really sure about this guy anymore. Um, but I have to say, this really surprised me. This it's album, it's a fucking great album. <laughs> I really? said to you before, this is what I think when you put them, 
I think when you put him in a situation where he has a really good producer, I used the Nick Cage comparison and I've since found out he's best friends with Nicolas Cage. So that <laughs> explains a lot. I think if you have someone who has a vision mm. and directs him in the right direction, I think great things happen. I think when he becomes too self-indulgent, that's when you have yeah. half an album which is kind of it is so flabby and just not interesting but mm. these are these are really well written really fucking yeah. catchy really well produced songs i think they're brilliant yeah, yeah. so yeah. yeah yeah i agree um <clears throat> i think it's some of the some of the best work he's done in a mm. long time um and it, it's quite a it's quite a light album for Marilyn Manson, you know, but it still, I mean, it still has like those kind of gothic, like wee bits of industrial qualities about the album, but it definitely leans more on his lighter side. Yeah. Um, it's not the like, the shock factor Manson that we once knew, but, um, but I kind of liked it, he which dis- really He described it me. as he's, he, as a, beforehand, because the producer that worked with him does mostly country music, he described it going in as it was going to be his gothic country album. And right. I don't think it necessarily is, but there there is a lot of ballad and love song on there that mm. makes me Surprised think... he didn't call it me and that goat. <laughs> <laughs> there the really is. Like, I, I listened to it because he, he was working with... He'd, he'd had kind of like a long-term producer for a while that had done the last three or four albums. Um mm. And I mean, I love the quality of them. I just don't love all the songs and all those releases. Um, but yeah. the production was always great. But the, uh, there's something like even his melodies are on point in this one. Yeah. I mean, some of yeah. the best melodies I think he's ever written. And yet, as a as a kind of stripped back, more kind of focused entry, and he's another guy. I mean, what album is this for Manson? Must be over ten. Um, oh, you know, he's still he's still a guy that has the potential. For greatness, but I mm. think the right motivation needs to be there. I think there's a very good chance his next album will suck cock. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's like that. It's a very strong set. He's just so inconsistent <laughs> that way. But weirdly, when the stars align, it's another one that's been spin many various times from me because it's a very very easy and a very quick listen as well. So yeah, yeah, true. Um, what else did we have? Uh, Corey Taylor. <laughs> this Did any it, of you listen to? Yeah, because Kyle <laughs> mentioned it. I let Kyle go I first know, here. It was on my list, and so was Marilyn Manson, and I'm just like completely forgot about them. Totally, like, absolutely, <laughs> they just it just went out of my brain. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just looking to check those out, and then. <laughs> Release date came. I was like, oh yeah, I'll put that on sometime. And no, never did. So, <laughs> right, cool. so, so I just... did because Kyle mentioned it and you heard yeah. the shock and surprise. I'm like, Corey Taylor's got a solo album? Um, <laughs> right. And I shoved it on and Corey Taylor's got a solo album? Um, <laughs> there are some moments I, I really like on the album and there mm. is a lot that I just couldn't give a fuck about. <laughs> and that is that is the nicest thing I can say about it. I imagine it will sell like a kajillion copies, mm. and it certainly leans into. It certainly is. If someone, if you are a fan of Stone Sour or Slipknot, this is not for you. If you are a fan of Corey Taylor's vocals, then this is one hundred percent a album for you. Yeah, yeah. He's he, he's a good songwriter. Yep, but. From this album, I I don't know what what type of artist he wants to be. 
Nope. Like I, I felt it felt really disjointed. I think I just felt like it kind of chances his arm in too many styles, mm-hmm. um, and because of that, for me, it felt like it just lost its flow. Yeah, um, it's a collection of singles that you, it almost feels like a greatest hits album from a <laughs> yeah. band that had spanned like four decades. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Because yeah. there's bits on there that sound kind of almost seventies. There's stuff on there that's very very eighties. There's tons of nineties rock. Stuff yeah. going on there, and then there's more contemporary stuff, and he's he's trying to do it all, and that does not make for a cohesive sounding album, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, his his vocals are good, like um, they are not in question at all. Mm. But like musically, it's very it's very surface level stuff. There's nothing musically that impresses you whatsoever. It's yeah. not memorable in any kind of way. Um, but as you said, if you if you like his vocals. And yeah, maybe give it a shot. I just, I just think he just decide needs to decide what type of album he wants to make. Yeah, um, going forward. But uh, that, that last shot. song on the album is one of the worst things I've heard in a while. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just put that out there. I actually listened to it. and I was like, is this a fun? And I actually thought, yeah, remember when Blink One Eight Two used to do those really short, stupid tracks about wrapping yeah. Christmas presents and fucking. <laughs> Um, I kind of thought it might be in a piss take, but I'm not entirely sure. But it's pretty mm. fucking bad. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm with you on that one. I think it is a weird footnote. Um, mm. And I mean, he's been talking about releasing a solo album for years, and then yeah. it's finally arrived. And it is the you would have thought it would have been better put together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Considering he's had as long as he had to put it together. Either that mm. or it is all his ideas for the amount of time he's been writing music all lumped in, which would make sense because, like I say, musically <laughs> there are huge jumps in styles mm. um, and sims as well. Yeah. It, it just doesn't work as a whole album. Yeah. Um. What else did I listen to? Alpha <laughs> Wolf's album come out. Oh, that's another one. Actually, it's still um, still getting regular spins. It's a fucking yeah for me too. It's so heavy, beast, and so down tuned. It's it's just makes me want to crawl around on the floor as a wolf. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll it's... go out into the forest and wear fur yeah. and just growl along with it. It's... <laughs> I had to crawl around the floor because it's so heavy. It changed gravity in my house, uh, <laughs> and I couldn't stand up anymore. Um, <laughs> No, it's, it's, living in the singularity <laughs> it lived it be it, that went beyond my expectations um yeah like i mean until you heard it when we, we we spoke about it um i was really 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 excited for that and then it landed and i, I gave it five on our review and i stick by that i'm still playing it and it is fucking brilliant uh just so disgustingly heavy in parts and then other bits that are really really atmospheric and kind of playful so mm-hmm. yeah it's a, it's a it is a good album dave yeah <laughs> if yeah, i enjoyed that <laughs> um <laughs> another one that kind of shocked me um was uh, a, band, dave. <laughs> a band that <laughs> i honestly could not have given a fuck about in the past <laughs> um but i'm not ashamed to say that their new album is a total banger uh, i'm talking about the new amaranth album yeah it's fucking great. I haven't um, checked that out yet. I still need to get around to that. Oh, Jesus. Dude, this is the year. Like, see when we were talking about uh, Eskimo Cowboy and we were like that? It's, yeah. it's basically like, their band is basically like that metalcore meets Eurovision Song Contest. 
and Amarath are, are basically like not even power metal, but just proper traditional mm. fucking European metal meets Eurovision. Like every yeah. single chorus is a fucking earworm and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not something I would usually gravitate to, but it's a very attention grabbing album. Um very polished. Mm. Uh, so like, and the heavy, even though it's polished, the heavier parts really land well. A, a bit of punch on it, and I love the kind of dual vocal thing they've got going on uh, with the, the kind of female vocals. I think is is it Elise or yeah. I think it's Elise. Her name was um, doing the kind of catchy cleans, and then you've got uh, Henrik doing the kind of more harsh vocals. Um, kind of, it kind of reminded me of like a, a very commercial scar symmetry at times. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I, we were tra- I was bouncing thing. I was like that. This heavy vocalist sounds like the did from Mushroomhead. Uh, <laughs> like the heavier vocalist in Mushroomhead, and then her clean vocals were kicking. I was like, it's kind of like imagine if like Nightwish were forced to do a fucking <laughs> like a really poppy feed the world. Eurovision Song Contest song yeah, and then that'll yeah. be top but musically you're spot on it is like a really com- it's the epitome of everything I think you- they are European hopefully because I mentioned European I so. yeah, like <laughs> the, the epitome of what that blockade of countries are really known for like yeah. when it comes to the more commercial stuff and I think you're right as well the production is it's on fleet, Dave. Um, it really is a really fucking punchy, precise, and hugely commercial. I mean, this is a, yeah. a, a mega commercial album without sacrificing any of the heaviness. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, what else? What else? What else? Did you? I, I only messaged you about this the other day, but. Um, one of the guys that reviews for the site, yeah. um, Ryan, he mentioned to me this band called Sordid Pink. Yep. And uh, I was like, Sordid Pink? No, I've never, never heard this. He was like, you heard the Destiny Potato? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. He was like, well, this is basically the ashes. Is he just the ashes. <laughs> <laughs> Have you this heard the basically... glitter scissors? <laughs> 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 What's he doing? <laughs> Destiny Potato. <laughs> Destiny Potato are basically right. <laughs> not distant, Destiny as if that makes a difference. Um, <laughs> this is basically a band that have been formed uh, from the ashes of Destiny Potato. Uh-huh. Um, I was like, all right. So he was like, I'll, I'll do a review. I was like, all right, cool, cool. Um, but it, it kind of just came out of nowhere. There was no like big build up to it or like we, we didn't get the album in for review or anything like that. It just, uh, just kind of appeared and it, and it kind of released on a really weird day during the week as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it still has that kind of like progressive sound that Destiny Potato had, but it's way poppier than, than their previous uh, kind of outfit. Uh, a lot of like pop chord progressions and very kind of of the minute synths and mm-hmm. electronica and stuff like that. Uh, but it's mixed with that like kind of tight, kind of gentle guitar tone along the lines of your like uh, like Polyphia or Chon or even a little bit of Periphery in there as well. Um, it's pretty cool. I, like I quite that. liked it. Yeah, I really yeah. liked it. Yeah, you, you like you say you kind of. You sent my message. I want to say it was like towards the end of last week, just saying, eh, "Poppy gent," and I was like, <laughs> "Dave's had a stroke." Um, <laughs> you know, I thought that was the name of the band there for a second because we're just putting <laughs> things together. You know, like like toe arm. Yes, my name is, <laughs> the name of my band is Toe Arm, and we played Genty. No, it's fucking really, really good. It's really, really yeah. well written. Like really, really, yeah. really well written, and the production goes perfectly mm. with it it's another yeah. one of those ear one 
earworm albums that you can just shove on anytime listening yeah. through and you know, then do it again. Yeah. When I was listening, I was thinking, this would have been perfect released in the middle of summer. Yeah. Like it's just, it's got that kind of sound to it. Like this is a very summery type sounding album. It would have been perfect to have been released in fucking July or something. But, um, but yeah, I still enjoyed it. It's quite a, it's quite a light kind of easy listen, but, um, yeah, thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Ooh, what else have I got on my list? Uh, talking of, uh, we did a, a review recently, um, talking about one man bands, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm pretty sure I stated that I don't usually like one man bands. <laughs> oh, Dave, um, are you about to rein this back or double down? Let's find well, out. <laughs> I completely forgot about a, a one man band that I actually do really like. Um, band or a, a guy called Cloud Kicker. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, have they got something new? Yeah, oh, so uh, Cloud Kicker, yeah, they've just released a new album called uh, Solitude. Um, it's 48 minutes, mm. and it's just like, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's very Cloud Kicker, it's uh, layers upon layers, very, a lot of kind of big lush soundscapes, and it's got the can still got the big kind of metal, kind of progressive riffs. Uh, completely instrumental, Cloud Kicker, there's no vocals or anything like that on the album. Um, but that's all his material is that way. Um, but he's he's one of those guys that you can tell, um, you can tell it's him firstly without any, the need for any vocals. But he also tells a story very well without the need for vocals. His his music is very like textured and it's littered with lots of different sounds and stuff. Um, but like when you listen to a Cloud Kicker album, you you get this kind of feeling of like a journey type thing. And and again, very much so on on Solitude as well. Um, it's got a wee bit of a darker side to it at times, which I like. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, as usual, I think his riffs are really interesting to listen to. Uh, very similar. If you like bands like or guys like uh, Pliny or Chimp Span or that sort of stuff, then um, I'd definitely check this one out. Um, it's called Solitude, um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Actually, really good. If, you, if and if you've you know listened to his previous stuff, then definitely check this one out. Um, anything else? Anything else? Do you guys have been listening to? Well, we're all glossing over the fact that. Six Feet Under put an album out. <laughs> Is there any particular reason you would do that, Dave? Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't have the words. Um, and Fleek is not one of them. Uh, <laughs> Unless for... Fleek means shite. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's, it's a hot mess of an album. Oh, it's an absolute me. hot mess of an album from a band that seems content in releasing hot messes. Um, oh yeah. dear, it's just. I listened to one song and I was like, that oh. is enough for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, music, musically. You could maybe get away with it, like maybe you could if you could listen to it, you know, as an instrumental album. You maybe go, "Aye, the music's all right," but when you add in the vocals from Chris Barnes, there's just no it's other like, word for this other than shite. It's just there's a reason you were kicked out of that other band. Yeah, I know, and his <laughs> his vocals have got progressively worse. I mean, if you go back and listen to the stuff he did with Cannibal Corpse, you could you could say, "Yes, it's not bad. It's passable." But mm. listening to him now, his vocals are horrendous. I mean, it, it got to the point that when I heard this new stuff, I thought it was a bit of a, a joke. I thought it was like, it was, they were maybe trolling the world like with this this album. I was like, this can't be serious, surely. But it totally is. It's totally serious and it's absolutely dreadful. Um, yeah, I, I, I just don't understand how even like a label like Metal Blade are, are, are putting, are, are like behind this. Like, uh, it's just... 
names it's easy oh to market a band like Six Feet Under with the names that are involved with it that's purely it, it I think and probably because they originally signed it them. must be getting harder to market Chris Barnes at this point <laughs> I, I think I think the, the chances are they probably at the beginning signed them for something like a five album deal <laughs> and they're like just write it out just write it out we'll get there guys uh, which is... or maybe he's pulling a David Bowie and just really he's, he's sick of the label and he's just releasing absolute shit until he's off the deal <laughs> maybe that's a possibility as well I'll just do whatever I need to get off um, yeah. and, and the same sentence that I slag off six feet under I, I hand over my metal card right now and say oh. that I've been listening to a lot I'm actually really enjoying the Machine Gun Kelly album. <laughs> <laughs> it's really well done. It's the best Blink-182 album Blink-182 wishes they'd released in the last <laughs> 15 years. <laughs> Surprisingly catchy. I think Travis Barker maybe does the drums on the album as well. And it shows. <laughs> I think he also maybe wrote all the music as well. Um, I don't know. It's a really easy listen. I don't think it works great all the way right through. But mm. if you... Fancy a bit of kind of nostalgic pop punk, uh, you know, of the Blink-182 better era. Um, mm. It's definitely there. Uh, and Machine Gun Kelly seems to really want to do that now, which is weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I've been listening to all of that. It's it's not an amazing album by any stretch of the imagination, but it, it has been listened to quite a few times. Uh, yes. new Devil Driver album has not been listened to quite a few times it's listened to twice the first time oh. when it finished I felt I had been unfairly harsh on the album I used to really like Devil Driver um, you know what is, I liked their first album really liked their mm. first album where there was still a bit of the you know still a bit of the Dez Cole Chamber about yeah, yeah. and he has distanced himself so far from that that mm. I just I find it difficult to differentiate them from a lot of bands that sound identical to what Devil Driver now sound like. Uh, yeah, I think that's um, my issue. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I, I would say though, um, I didn't think think it was as bad as their last couple albums. Um, I, I can't mean, even it, remember. I think I listened as far as the third album, and I think that's where I checked out. So. Yeah, they've, they've had quite a few albums actually. <laughs> yeah, um, fucking loads, like one every two years, I think. Yeah, um, and like if, like before this came out, obviously we we were talking about it over message and stuff like that. Um, and I was kind of dreading going in to even listen to this album, but um, it wasn't quite as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, still not a great album to be honest, but um, it was a little bit more varied than the last couple albums. I felt mm-hmm. um. But still, nothing that I would write home about, to be honest. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I've got to talk about is really rather enjoyed, and it kind of shocked me because I've never been a big fan, but always felt like I should be a fan. Uh, the new Enslaved album. Oh yeah, it's pretty good. Yep. Yeah. Really, Utgard. Utgard. Yeah. Um, I really like that, and Enslaved are a band that constantly gets mentioned in the throes of other bands that I do quite like. And yeah. never really connected with me, and I actually really enjoyed this one. Yeah, um, I'd agree. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a it's a it's a fucking good album. I, I don't. Yep. It's not top ten for me or anything like that. But this might be the first album of theirs that I've listened to front to back. Where I've been like that, I would you know listen to it straight away again. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think yeah, that's I'd agree. No, I got, so, yeah. I got a funny story about them. I ordered. Uh, I bought the American Head Charge album War of Art online because my previous version got 
stolen or broken or something. I don't remember. Uh-huh. And then when I opened it up, when I got it in the mail, there was an enslaved album in there. <laughs> I was like, what? It was American head charge, like box and cover art. Opened it up, enslaved. I'm like, well, I'll give it a go. Fuck it. <laughs> it wasn't my favorite album, but yeah, it was all right. <laughs> I just love this idea of the PR company for enslaved just sending out their albums. Just like loads of just, they've just bought like, lo- they're just some guy sitting with his entire CD collection, just taking the CDs out and putting enslaved ones in and then selling them on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> I know you asked for this, but listen, <laughs> listen to it. Yeah, it, 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 it surprisingly works for me. I'll yeah. just say right now, I don't know how often we're, uh, one day we will do a new metal topic. It has to fucking happen. It'll be the best conversation <laughs> we've ever had in this podcast, and people will download it in their droves. Um, <laughs> and when that day comes, we will talk about how fucking amazing front to back the War of Art is. As an album, it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say now, but well, let's do that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> we should just dedicate an episode to the War of Art because it's it's one of those one of those albums that is so good that the band were never going to top that, or even get close to it ever. Mm. It doesn't help yeah. that half the band members left after recording it. I mean, that you know that that makes a, a you know a challenge mm. <laughs> to attain that sound again. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's an album I listen to on the regs. I mean that that is that is a constant spinner. Mm. Don't laugh at me using the word the regs. It's, it's one I've been listening <laughs> to a lot recently. So <laughs> I was going to bring it up. Like yeah, I've been listening to the War of Art, uh, but it's been done now. So next. <laughs> yeah, that's all I've got. That's all I've got. Everything uh, else has been reviewed for the show. So and there's tons I've got of that. two more. Um, Two more kind of more kind of obscure releases. Uh, a band called Jupiterian. Um, they are a yeah. Where do you honestly? <laughs> oh, guess better. They are an atmospheric doom band from Brazil. Oh, 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 oh! <laughs> All of us. Yeah. Uh, um, I think you'll find they're pronounced Jupiterian because uh, <laughs> uh, the Brazil thing. Uh, so, no. Uh, uh, the album is called Proto Sapien. And um, as atmospheric doom should sound, it's, it's lethargically slow and unrelentingly abrasive. Um, it's, just, it's just a fucking album packed with huge blackened doomy sludgy riffs that will rip you a new arsehole nice. uh basically a very primitive man in places um it's quite you know that kind of whole kind of claustrophobic kind of feeling you get from one of those, those albums mm. uh but it's got a very kind of earthy production to it uh it's all about 35 minutes so thankfully you know it doesn't fall into that kind of trap of like become repetitive which atmospheric doom or sludge bands you know have a tendency to do sometimes but um, this riff sounds amazing. Let's play it for seventy-five <laughs> minutes. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's it's very bleak. Uh, but they they do. Play, there's a little bit of melody they play on um, different tracks on the album. So although it's like very slow and very heavy, it does have moments that kind of let you come up for air every now and again. Um, but totally new band to me. Uh, but I, what I would say is I'll definitely be on the lookout for any more of their future releases. Uh, Jupiterian are the band. Uh, Proto Sapien was the album. I uh, quite enjoyed that. The other one that I really enjoyed was a band called Fawn Limbs. Mm. Um, not a band I was familiar with at all, um, but they've just released a new album called Sleeper Vessels, and it is an absolute ripper. 
kind of would I classify this kind of mathcore meets grindcore. Uh, it's very chaotic. Uh, imagine like if you mixed like um, the red cord with car bomb with uh, what's that uh, Scottish band? Is it Frontier? Yeah, is that what they're called? Yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of mixed those together. Uh, a bit. There's a band called Sectioned as well that are quite similar to that. Um, it's it's not an easy listen. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> imagine if you dropped a Dillinger Escape Plan CD in a blender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like just a constant barrage of odd time signatures, guttural vocals, discorded guitars. Um, it's, it, it's very much an album. Like, if you're in the mood to have your brain completely melted, then yes, stick this on. Uh, the musicianship and the timing of these guys is unbelievable, really impressive. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it if you if you'd like to listen to the the musical equivalent of a kaleidoscope. Then yes. Give this a listen. Uh, Fawn Limbs Sleeper Vessels is the album. Quite enjoyed that. Nice. Yeah, that's all I've got. Anything else for you guys? Not? Uh, no, no, like I say, just stuff that no. I've listened to for uh, for uh, reviews. Yes. Uh, if you want to hear us chat about all the kind of big releases, then head over to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Metal Epidemic. And uh, you can listen to all of our album reviews on there. Yeah. Uh, Going to play some music for you now um this one is uh, a new track from an alternative metal five piece from bristol they're called noir uh and they are just about uh, they just dropped a new single called placebo uh, this is the single sorry this is the band's fourth single and it explores the weight of an overwhelming amount of emotions that you struggle to know how to deal with uh, the band makes progressive metal hardcore uh, in new metal, and they cite influences such as Loathe, Bring Me the Horizon, Linkin Park, and Fever 333. Uh, this track is now available on digital streaming platforms from the 16th of October. I'm going to play it for you now. This is Noir and Placebo. We'll be back right after this. Take a part and reconnect 
Nice. That was Noir and Placebo. Uh, during the break there, we got to hear Duncan's best Brian Moko impersonation. Uh, so just be glad you didn't have to listen to that. I'm calling uh, out for infrared. <laughs> <laughs> See? Again. See what I'm saying? This is what I've got to live with. You don't have to live with <laughs> COVID just, restrictions say we can't at the moment, but when those bad shit. boys are lifted, I'm in on you. <laughs> your house, right, no your more house, whiskey for you. House, in on your house, sorry. Could be taken another way. Which is what they um, said. Um, so. Oh my God. Uh, if you like the sound of noir, then check them out. On Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the band Noir UK. Uh, thank you to the guys for submitting that track for the podcast. Much appreciated. Okay. It is album review time, guys. Indeed. For this review, Duncan, Kyle, and myself have been checking out the new album from Finnish melodic doom band Red Moon Architect. The band's new album, Emptiness Weighs the Most will be released on October 23rd via Noble Demon. So, album number five from this Finnish six-piece, and Emptiness Weighs the Most comes only a year after their 29 release, Cura, uh, which was a, a, a bit of a sidestep for the band. Uh, that release was only three tracks long, uh, and had a well had a running running time of forty minutes. Oh, um, <laughs> I was like, that's but, uh, an EP, Dave, and then you were like forty <laughs> minutes. I'm like, no, that's an album. That's an album. <laughs> um, but it was quite different from their usual material. It was it was a lot kind of more bleaker, um, kind of almost like a black black metal meets drone mm. kind of territory they were in. Uh, very different from what you're getting on this new album, uh, and even from their past releases. So. Uh, I'm not entirely sure if that release was just a bit of you know experimentation or if they were trying something new, but regardless, the band are now about to put out their new release, which is firmly back in the melodic doom genre and produced by the drummer, uh, keyboardist Saku Moilanen. Moilanen, again, sorry if I pronounced your name Scottish. wrong, apologies. That's, you should just Scottish. play the Scottish card. Scottish. <laughs> Scottish, mate, means I can't Scottish. pronounce fuck all. Uh, yes, but yeah, the drummer keyboardist uh, produced the album. Uh, now, when I, I must admit, when I first heard the kind of first kind of main track of the album, uh, Chained, um, I was quite impressed with the kind of slick kind of sound of the band. The production was pretty polished for a like for a doom band, uh, which is isn't always the case with that that genre. But um, you tend to hear doom bands go for a uh, more often not a more kind of grainy kind of sound. But th- this band do have a bit bit of melody to them so um and you can hear for that first track even though this track was heavy up front uh, from a kind of guitar and kind of vocal point of view uh the, the guitars do kind of weave in and out of like crushing heaviness and melancholic melody uh vocally that track sticks kind of within a certain area the intensity and the tone and the pitch all kind of remain pretty homogenous throughout um and I thought, yeah, that, that's going to be fine for a few tracks, but I wasn't sure if it was going to hold my attention for a full album. But then on track three, they bring in uh, a track called Rise. Uh, it kind of takes a turn, and they introduce um, Annie Balconen into the mix on clean vocals. Um, and on, on that track, I quite enjoyed that, that kind of contrast that they brought in, the two different vocal styles. Um 
especially against that kind of like kind of gloomy backdrop uh, musically. Um, I think the addition of those clean vocals really opened up that feeling of the kind of light and dark on the track. And I'd say that that kind of theme continues throughout the album with the kind of back and forth between the two vocal styles. Um, and I particularly liked when they, they tend to kind of blend them together. Um, but if you listen to like the chorus on uh, One Shines Brighter, um, I quite liked that kind of the kind of link up between the two. I think having them back to back like that is was a more kind of engaging kind of texture, um, and it was one of the kind of more kind of standout tracks on the album for me. Um, musically, I quite enjoyed uh, the track called Muse. Um, it was one of the more kind of brooding tracks on the release, sitting somewhere between like I had kind of funeral doom influences and some kind of death doom as well. A lot of kind of nice kind of creative chords, uh, dark tones in that track. I think, I think vocally, this is where the album started to become a little too repetitive for me. Um, both vocalists are good at what they do, um, but the formula and the kind of style of the melody started to become a little too familiar for me. I think a lot of the or the kind of vocal blueprint, sorry, on the on a lot of the tracks follow a very, how would you say, a kind of an un- unaltered path. Um, with each vocalist taking like a section each and going back and forth and then occasionally they'll blend the two together and that's fine Um, but for me probably about two thirds of the way through the album it kind of lost its appeal for me Uh, and I think like I think this genre can be tough to sell Um, Doom can be a very like repetitive style just, just the nature of it but you know bands have to find something that keeps listeners engaged and I and I think Redmond Architect have partly accomplished that by adding um, the melody to their music and the vocals uh, and by adding kind of other instruments like there's a bit of piano and stuff on the, the album closer but I feel like some of the elements they've added to try and keep it interesting also became repetitive if that makes sense mm-hmm. um, it's, all, it's also an album that kind of tends to uh, in fact I'll let, I'll let you guys go because I've spoke for, for quite a while I'll let you guys speak for a bit and I'll, I'll come back in later Duncan what did you make of this? Uh, I think I liked it a bit more than you. Um, okay. So uh, I listened to it twice today, um, mm-hmm. and I know where you're coming from vocally, huh? but I think what's weird about it is the genre of music that it's in. It highlights a kind of semi pattern of vocal styles where other mus other musical genres can hide them through fancy guitar work or, you know, clever production or whatnot, when Mm. you have things stripped back to their bare bones as they are here. I mean, every band, um, unless they have an incredible frontman, follow a formula with vocals. Vocalists have the particular range that they're comfortable with in and they will sing it. The exceptional vocalist maybe can cover a couple of ranges and the clever Mm. vocalists are the ones that know when to jump between those ranges in songs to give you a bit of dexterity, you know, and you'll have to listen to something like uh, Phil Anselmo and Cemetery Gates, which plays it, you know, so straight down the line metal until that chorus and then until the end where he lets, you know, lets loose a note the point you you fucking hair on the back of your neck stands up. But for the mm. most part, what you know, he has that range. Everyone else roughly around him is doing the range that he sings the majority of the song in because that's their comfortable range. The vocals here are in a similar 
part to that and I think when you have a song that goes six minutes or seven minutes and you don't have that second gear or that additional range that's mm-hmm. when it can become a bit repetitive to me I always approach doom music in that I consider the vocals just another instrument and mm. as a result of that I think it worked a lot better for me um, okay. I think the, the mix works really well I think especially when you get to a track like My Beloved on the, you know, the last track which is primarily just uh, the female vocals taking lead and it's far more kind of gothic and opulent sounding I mm. think more moments like that in the album would have benefited them to be fair yeah. uh, but I think it would have brought, broken up a bit of the monotony and monotony is a bad word but even then I think it suits the band is that is he the characteristic of doom metal and it's something that you kind of just have to get behind and all its different facets so I see where you're coming from to me it just was I didn't necessarily approach it from the same position to me when I sit down and listen to a doom album I don't expect you know much in the way of any dexterity in the vocals I expected just to be an additional layer over mm. the soundscape that I'm hearing and the fact that we had those two is where I think they, they differentiate themselves cleverly without being necessarily great at what they're doing I would also mm. double down and I agree with you the bit where the, the vocals match up are some of the better moments and it's a technique yeah. I wish they'd used more specifically over choruses because you're getting you get that kind of almost you get that deliberate range by a guy singing so deep and guttural um, and her singing on that kind of mid to high range vocal that she has which is a very pure at times a very haunting melody kind of tone that she's got which I think she is the melodic part of this doom metal band right yeah Uh, for sure and some of the chord structures like definitely accentuate that but for the most part you could easily take her vocals out and they could still be called a melodic doom metal band they just wouldn't be nearly as interesting as they are with her in it yeah um, yeah, yeah I, I, once again adding to the Duncan can't pick where a band's come from I would never have mm-hmm. said Finland for them Okay. I'm so glad that I know they are Finnish because I have a lot of soft spot for Finland as a country uh, and their musical output they put out a lot of pish uh, but but the the their the ratio of like bands that I will go back and listen to is surprisingly high. Uh, yeah, so I I mean I'd be I'd be really curious to go back and check that previous release, which is a bit more dissonant and a bit more kind of vulgar sounding. For sure, yes, but yeah. here I just I, I I like to mix. Now, if you're asking me how often I'll come back and listen to this album, probably not that much. I've listened to it twice now and I've gleaned pretty much all I need to glean from it it just maybe didn't it didn't bore me maybe vocally as much as it bored you okay okay I think yeah I can, I can see where you're coming from I found it was also an album that tended to stick with the same tempo and pace yep. as well there's no um, mix at all no mix yeah, at all um, and that kind of gave it that same type of feeling so I would maybe have added in something a little bit with a little bit more pace just to mix it up because it's not like they're solely sticking within the Doom genre, they do put in some kind of deathier parts into their sound so there wasn't any real reason they couldn't you know, add a little bit more of a tempo change in there now and again, I think that variety would go a long way but um, I think but like Kyle, songs, oh, I was going to say songs like 4 through 7 uh, I had to mm-hmm. keep checking my phone to see if we'd change songs 
and that's yeah. because th- there is no tempo change, <laughs> yeah. like at all. It's is all deliberate there. So uh, the reason I said I was quite interested about the other album is the fact you said it's three tracks. Yeah, it's which pretty makes, slow. Yeah, which <laughs> makes me wonder, you know, if that's maybe you know just a format they're used to necessarily working in, and that as a byproduct of when they try and split them into songs, there's just no idea of mixing things up like that on an album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think, to be honest, Dave, I think that is a very, very fucking fair criticism. Mm. So. Yeah. Kyle, what about yourself? I don't know, man. I think <laughs> I like. I think I like this album less than both of them. <laughs> oh, right, okay. That's good. That's good. We're hitting all three. We're hitting all uh, three levels here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. I read they were from Finland. I expected him to sing in English, but when he was doing those guttural vocals, I couldn't understand anything. It sounded like yeah. they had some weird wah effect on the vocal or something, or he was just singing in Finnish, and I don't know what Finnish sounds like. <laughs> I don't know. It was terrible, and I just couldn't. I couldn't figure it out. I thought, I just thought, who said yes to that vocal sound? Who <laughs> sat there and said, "Good job, dude," because. It was not a good job. <laughs> and like everything you've mentioned before, like the same chord structures and very formulaic songs. I mean, I know there's it's Doom and Doom does that, but there's good Doom and, and bad Doom. And this mm. is bad Doom. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's all too slow. It's all too the same. It does pick up when she sings. And I think they should kill the other dude. I mean, not kill him, cut him out. I mean, kill like when you kill it on the mixer, you know, just like, kill the ch- mute channel. Word. Not, mute. We could use yeah, mute, which, yeah, not. I mean, it's, you know, isn't kill. <laughs> well, I mean, it's Finland. It's a hard country, you know. It's like, sorry, not in the band anymore. <laughs> That's it. No, just get get him to stop singing and keep on doing whatever other thing he's doing. I don't know if he's playing guitar as well or something, but just get him out because it was bad. Like you said, this is their fifth album, and it still sounds like they're still finding their feet, and it's just mm. like. I don't know if they're trying something new. Like you said, the last last release was three songs in 40 minutes long. That sounds way more interesting than this ever mm. could hope to be. I think my one note of my notes actually is just boring. <laughs> I just want to stress here that Kyle lives in Norway, so there may be some Nordic bias here towards the neighbouring <laughs> country of Finland. Uh, I'll get you, I Finland. Yeah, well... Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it got to like track three or four. First one I was like, oh, the product, the production's really good. I've got yeah. to admit, it was yeah. like the tones are there, all the sounds are great, and it sounds amazing. It really does. But like after the third, fourth track, I was like, are you gonna do something, guys? I mm. mean, you got the lady singing, and that's really good, and you should just make her your singer. Uh, and then afterwards, I was like, yeah, checking my phone and looking. I listened to it a couple of times. I just couldn't, I couldn't get through it. It was, it was on, and I couldn't pay attention to it. It was really not holding my interest at all. Mm. And it's just like, okay, you've got the same tempo, same chords, same exact formula for every one of your songs. And yeah, maybe it's a thing of the genre, but I mean, I love Doom as well. And it's like, there's great songs and bands that are in the Doom genre that keep it interesting. Yeah. It's like with Sugar, they're not doomed at all, but they have their very specific certain style, yeah. but they always manage to keep it interesting somehow. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, not a, not a fan. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think like rating wise, this one, I, th- I think they're a very they're a very accomplished musicians. Um, For sure. And I do and I do like the the kind of contrast between the two vocal styles. 
Um, I liked the production. It sounds huge, um, well balanced, um, and I did I did enjoy it to begin with. But as the album kind of crept on, I did start to become distracted just due to its kind of lack of variety in certain areas. Um, so, ooh, scoring wise for me, this is probably uh, I'd go probably three out of five on this one. Duncan, where are you sitting at? Three point five. Three point five. Nice. And Kyle. I'm going to give the lowest score I've ever given and give it two. Two, okay. Okay. So we were Fair all enough. right. I liked it more than Dave, and Dave, you liked it less than both of us. Yeah. Let us know what you think, guys. Check out the album. Uh, if you want to have a listen to the band, you'll find them on facebook.com forward slash Red Moon Architect. Um, check them out. Have a listen to the album. Uh, it drops on October 23rd on Noble Demon. The album's called Emptiness Weighs the Most. Um, let us know what you think. Let us know. Um, but thanks for checking out this review. Uh, we're going to be playing some music uh, next. And uh, this next single comes from a modern metal trio. Now, this band, I, I have a very strange feeling that we either played this band on one of the old, one of the Rock and Reel podcasts way back in the day, or we maybe reviewed it right at the beginning, but um, it's a metal trio from... Did I write down where they were from? Leeds. Yeah, from Leeds. Um, they're called uh, Terroglyph. Um, oh. I think I think it used to be a, a solo musician, Terroglyph. I think it was one I guy. I actually know him. Oh, do you? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Also, I also think that yeah, you may be ringing the bell here because I remember a joke about Terra Hawks, right? And I think that might be Terra Glyph, yeah, mm. potentially. Well, they're now a tri- they're now a trio, um, and they've just released a new single called Solaire, uh, the title track from their forthcoming sophomore album, which is due for release on sixth of November via Blood Blast. And they're a kind of modern metal band, as I said, from Leeds, England. They formed in twenty twelve. Uh, by lead songwriter uh, frontman Jimmy McGregor um, and I'm pretty sure it was a solo project to begin with if, I, if my member, memory is correct um, but they're now a three piece as I said um, and they are uh, ready to release this new album on the 6th of September so I'm going to play uh, their new single for you as I said it's called Solaire and uh, see what you think we'll be back right after this
Nice, that was some Terroglyph for you. Uh, if you want to check them out, facebook.com forward slash Terroglyph. Um, after looking at a picture of Jimmy McGregor, I'm, I'm almost certain we've we've done something with him before. I'm totally positive. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, <laughs> after looking at a photo of Jimmy McGregor, I thought I'd boxed him back in my closet. <laughs> yeah, three rounds with Jimmy McGregor. <laughs> he knows he was in a fight that day. He still <laughs> He was fleek. He was fleek. He was fleek. He was fleek. On fleek, yo. Um, okay. With a Y. <laughs> Just stop. Um, we're going to move on to our topic of the podcast. Oh, yeah. oh yes. Yeah, so um, I, I don't even know how this came. This is a Duncan one. This is this one is of a, your this ones. One, hundred percent a Duncan one because it sounds right. Okay. It sounds like Duncan should have had a great list straight away and. Hmm. This list happened just before I hit record. Um, <laughs> classic Duncan so fucked it, didn't he? <laughs> there's there's one album on my list that I was listening to a couple of weeks ago, and when I was listening to it, I thought, you know, it's really as as such an underrated fucking album. Like when you yeah. speak about this band, no one ever talks about that album, and it made me wonder why that was. And then I was like, that'd be a really cool topic to sit and mm. just. Pick, band, pick bands specifically that have released an album that you genuinely think is a great fucking album, but when people come to talk about the band, it's mm. maybe not in the first one or two albums that come out their mouth as, you know, this is a fucking great album. So yeah. that is essentially what the topic is. Picking a band and picking an album from their back catalogue that we genuinely think is a fucking great album that yeah. maybe just doesn't necessarily get the love or the lip service that <laughs> the other albums that maybe aren't worth that time mm-hmm. do get. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> okay, gents. <laughs> Let's get into this then. Mm-hmm. Um, and in true uh, metal epidemic form, I have put mine in order. For the first time. Yeah, that's <laughs> nice. It's nice that that's happened. Seven oh, shows. Big Seven. your pardon. Seven. Uh, you did promise me a rose garden, but then it wasn't ordered, Dave. <laughs> and uh, that's. <laughs> That's why it didn't arrive. Um, like, yeah, like the first time I didn't ask you to order to top five is when you fucking top five it. So well, I'm just not going to ask I, you again. So. I just do it by default now because every time every time we do one of these, you're like, oh, Dave, I'm it's, top, like it's in top five. So now I know it's just, it's, it's always going to be top five. That's good. Mings is not. So, okay. <laughs> I will be doing mines from five to one. Number one I'll being my... randomly. <laughs> okay, <laughs> excellent. Well, since it's your topic, Duncan, you can start us. Yep. So uh, this is the one that actually inspired the whole conversation. Uh, the right. album I was listening to was from Bliss to Devastation by Vision of Disorder. Ah, huge Vision of Disorder fan. Um, yeah. Like, remember when they came? They came back not long after Rock and Real Review started doing reviews and it was like their first album in ages uh the vocalist had been off and done a uh, blood simple and put mm-hmm. out two interesting not amazing albums by any stretch of the imagination but mm-hmm. like that first blood simple album felt like an extension of where from bliss to devastation was kind of going um yeah. and it always had that kind of that little bit of a kind of southern hook in their hardcore style, but it became very prevalent on From Bliss to Devastation, which I would still say from the Vision of Disorder back catalogue is their most commercial album they've ever done. 
I think it is like yeah. to me it is an album which is front to back bangers. Like every single song is fucking great. It's full of head banging riffs. I imagine that the songs were written in these kind of smoky, whiskey, fucking ridden, you know, hellhole practice rooms. Because it just has that that it has a texture and a feel and a smell about when you listen to it, and it screams of the south, which is ironic because Vision of the Disorder are not from the south, um, but they have that. <laughs> yeah. They all have those hooks, and I think that the production as well. I don't know who produced that one, but the production just it, everything just is on point, and it's the last album they did before they went on indefinite hiatus <laughs> for almost a decade. Mm. And it's always one of those ones where I'm like, to me, that this album was going to be the stepping stone for them to go off and do huge things. And it never really materialised. And even when they came back, they did those two albums uh, since reforming. And I think they've went on hiatus again. I don't think they're doing anything now. Um, yeah. Which is those shame. two albums were amazing. Yeah, the two albums they came back with were exactly the reason you should be a Vision of Disorder fan. <laughs> like, yeah. le- legitimately, front to back, fucking great albums. But once again, they've mm. returned to a more kind of old school Vision of Disorder hardcore sound. Uh, whereas from Blister Devastation is the anomaly in their back catalogue. It's like a yeah. wee experiment they tried, and for whatever reason, and I don't know, I can only assume politics, because it generally usually is politics. When mm-hmm. a band tries something different, it's usually because one member of the band is really pushing for something and the rest yeah. of the band are not as keen. And when that person leaves, they decide to just stop doing things. But I think yeah. at least one of the guitarists went along with the vocalist to do Blood Simple, which makes me think it was maybe those guys that were into the sound they were going with. And it fucking sounded, fucking sounded amazing. Um, it still yeah. gets played. I play it like every couple of months, easily. Um and it is, yeah, it's, it's, like I say, it's, it is their most commercial album for sure, but it's one of those ones where I don't think there's at all anything that I would remotely call a bad song on it. I think everything goes mm. from Shades of Great to Awesome. So yeah, from Bliss yeah. to Devastation, 2001? Question mm. mark? 2000, 2001, <laughs> I think. I should really check that. But it's way, way back in the day. Uh, way, way, way back in the day. He's checking right now as he talks. Not filling for space. Not filling for... He wouldn't do that. He would not do that. It's not my style, Dave. And I'm not still filling for space because that would be a bad thing to do on a podcast from Bliss. It was 2001, Duncan. Just, 2001. Uh, Thanks for leaving me hanging. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, uh, produced by Machine. Oh, right. Oh, he's done fucking shitloads, so it shouldn't surprise yeah. me then. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that one. Yeah. Cracking album, actually. It's one of those bands where if you look at their back catalogue, I don't think they've had a bad album. No, no Vision of the Sorder are ridiculously consistent. So. Yeah. And they always sounded, even right back at the very beginning, they always just sounded like, ah, this is a band that have been doing it forever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a very confident, very mature sounding. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. Um, my number five <laughs> is, <laughs> is uh, Cannibal Corpse. Of course it is. The Wretched Spawn. Really? Wow. Yes. That's a good choice. Yes. Um, yes. I think that's a good yeah. choice. <laughs> Look at Duncan's face. Like, what? Yes. Oh, Cannibal <laughs> Corpse. Wretched Spawn, you see. My favourite, I see. Five stars on fleek, <laughs> says this reviewer. Great eyebrows. Um <laughs> 
<laughs> I think if uh, if you asked like most Cannibal Corpse fans, I think most of them would pick like one of the classics as their favorite album. They'd probably like be it'd be like Butchered at Birth or Tomb of the Mutilated, um, maybe even the Bleeding. Um, like at the top of their list, uh, one of the classics, as I say. But for me, there's always been one al- album that stood out to me, and it's one that, that I probably go back to the most out of their back catalogue, and it's um, The Wretched Spawn from 2004, I think it was. Um, while I love all of those albums, the, the older kind of classics, um, like when you listen to them now, I think some of them, the production maybe sounds is a bit a bit dated, mm. um, just, just because of when they were when they were actually recording. I mean, these albums are fucking really fucking old. Like, but Butcher the Birth was like early 90s, I think it was 91, something like that. Um, and I'm sure that in the 90s it sounded great. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and as much as I love fucking Hammer Smash Face, um, it, it it doesn't hit me like their newer albums. And um, The Wretched Spawn for me, just it just ticks all the boxes. I think the production is hard-hitting. Um but it still has that like death metal aesthetic. Um, the tracks on that album, I think, are some of their best work. Um, it's a very varied album and like tempo and rhythm. But vocally, I think it might be Corpse Grinder's best. Um, it's actually like for a for an album uh, as heavy as it is, it's actually pretty catchy. Um, <laughs> and I know that, like catchy and Cannibal Corpse in the same sentence isn't usually something you'd hear together, but. Um, for a band that sing about disemboweling people, it is a pretty catchy <laughs> album. Um, I, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoy this album. Uh, as I said, like it's usually my go-to if I'm looking for something just fucking punishingly heavy. Um, that's usually when I go to, and I'd, I'd say it's like again, as I said, if you ask someone their best or their favorite Cannibal Corpse album, it's not the one people would put at the top of their list. But I think it's highly underrated. Uh, so that is my number five. Kyle, what do you have? Well, I don't have uh, Richard Spawn. I've got to say, actually, their uh, that album, Skeletal Domain, the power a few years ago. That is absolutely my favorite album by them. It's mm. even, but all the other ones, they're amazing, and I love them since the yeah. late eighties, early nineties, all that stuff. Where whenever they started, but it's like that one just it, like you said, ticked all the boxes. Yeah, just like finally they saved up all their best riffs for years and just put it all <laughs> on the album. And I was like, Ha-ha, you can do great things. Awesome. <laughs> I know, like for a band that have had so many albums out, they they're another band that are like just seem to be getting better. Like it's crazy. Somehow, yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, my number five is Shadow Zone by Static X. Oh because, wow! Yeah. <laughs> nice. I love that album. I really think it's one of their best things. I yep. I don't know. Like from the first track, it just goes right in. No intro, no nothing. Just. <laughs> And it's fuck okay, <laughs> but like every time you hear about people talking about Static X, it's always like Wisconsin Death Rip Machine yeah. and then all the other shit. And I'm like, what about that? It's so good. <laughs> like it, like I said, it just starts. There's no no pretense, just in, and that's it. And mm-hmm. it carries on going the whole way through. And they've actually got a couple of slower songs on that one, mm-hmm. which is the first time I heard them from Static X. And I was like, this is really good. This is really really good. And uh, yeah, so I don't really know how much more I can. Uh, say about it but it's it's i just don't understand it doesn't really get hate it just sort of gets laid by the wayside people always talk about like the first two and like the last one cult of static or whatever the other yeah. one no mm-hmm. and of course the ones that have come out after his death but it's like this one just never gets talked about ever and i remember putting it on for the first time just going whoa you know <laughs> all the way through 
I will. Just... I will back you up. I will. Like my hey. order of listening of stack, the Static X albums is will always be Wisconsin Death Trip first, but Shadow Zone is always the second one for me. Yeah, I think it's the one that shows the most dexterity of the band. Uh, it shows Wayne Static as being more than just a one one note wonder because uh, he does yeah. do some singing and the singing's fucking great. But the production yeah. and I think the fact that it's a concept album as well, I think really works for it. So yeah, I'm with you mm. on that one. Really do. I had a uh, big, uh, what's his name, Josh Fries on drums, that one as well. Yeah, yeah. you can do no wrong with Fries on drums. <laughs> yeah. He's on Fries. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I'm taking your card back. It's getting warm in here. It's getting warm in here. Woo! It's what happens. That's the description of when you get a great drummer to play in your band. And he has fabulous eyebrows. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, okay, Duncan, back to you. Uh, okay, ah, the whiskey is good, right? Um, this is not controversial. Well, is it controversial? See, I went for at times deliberately talking points. This is a talking point. This is one that's going to upset everyone, um, and I don't give a fuck, right? This one, the band doesn't doesn't have many albums, right? Okay, they have three albums and two EPs. And mm-hmm. everyone goes to the first album as the definitive album from the band. And I would argue it's not their best. And I am Ooh. so in the minority, I think I'm the only person that holds this <laughs> to be true. And as a result, this is why I've chosen it for the selection here. Um, and what's interesting is me and Dave recently watched a anniversary live stream, motherfucker. Oh. Um, I don't think Nola's Dim's best album. <gasps> That's right. I think Down really? to a Bustle in Your Hedgerow is a better album. Uh, I'll tell Ooh. you why I think it's a better album. I fucking adore the production on Down to. It sounds like the band are playing in a giant bar. Oh, wait one second. They are playing in a giant bar. <laughs> um, and it has that feel. There's a really earthy sound to it. I think the songs are just better. I think mm. there's more. there's more... There's more of a mix-up of the Southern styles. When you listen to the first album, when you listen to Nola, you can chart that, right, there's the Pantera sound, there's the Crowbar sound, there's the Corrosion of Conformity sound. Right, this makes sense. This is why it's all here. When you get to Dim 2, it sounds like a Down album. It's the first album where I think the band actually sounds like their influences, because their influences are things like Black Sabbath and St. Vitus. And, uh, to me, Dim 2 is where you hear that. There's still mm. a slight thrashy element on that on that Nola album. Yeah, it has the Southern hooks, but there's still a slight thrashy element. To me, the second album is a sludge album. Um, mm-hmm. And it's fucking great for it. Um, like, Stained, Stained Glass uh, Cross and New Orleans is a Dying Whore. And, you know, just like fucking amazing song titles. Phil Anselmo is fucking, like, well, on every album, he's fucking amazing. <laughs> and he goes really, you know kind of soft and quiet in moments and then it hammers out some like because this at the time they wrote that was I want to say it's about the, the time he was starting to do stuff with Super Joint Ritual as well so you get that crossover so he, there was a vulgarness about his voice it was starting to get deeper and it mm-hmm. suits the music a bit better um, my favourite songs that Down have ever written are on NOLA 
but their best complete album to me is A Bustle in Your Hedgerow. Uh, and it is why is my next choice here? Down to A Bustle in Your Hedgerow. Ooh. Hot fucking That's take. A... So hot you can't lift it. <laughs> you have to set up your inbox for all the hate mail you're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> I I, I, it's the weird thing. Like, See when we saw them do their live kind of set? They played mm. about four songs from A Bustle in Your Hedgerow. Nothing after that. Mm. at all which is weird because <laughs> yeah. I'm like you have stuff beyond this play Witch Tripper Phil can sing that his vocals are in the right range and they didn't do it but they played yeah. a couple of songs off um, uh, A Bustling Your Hedgerow and they sounded fucking monstrous so yeah I've always I don't know what it is the first time I listened to that album I heavily fell in love with it Um and Nola's still a phenomenal album. Nola is ranked up there amongst the best, but I just think as dim as a band, I think their second album is more representative of how they sound than Nola's. Because nothing they've mm. done since Nola sounds like Nola. No. No. Interesting. So, there you go. Hopefully, you see that? I told you, coming from left field. Left field. Pucked that whole conversation, that argument and that statement out of my arse two seconds before we hit record. What a guy. <laughs> I'm going to wake up hungover and full of regret. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Sound like me tomorrow. <laughs> it's also the name of my autobiography. It's coming out next year as well. Remember, <laughs> pick a coffee. Mm. What you got, Davy Boy? Sexy okay. Dave? Any hot takes? Any? This is oh, their best uh, album. This is their best album. This this one could go either way. It's, it's the one on my list that I'm. I'm unsure whether it is classed as underrated or not, but um, I'm going to go with it anyway. Uh, I'm going to go with 1998. Oh, right. The self-titled album from System of a Down. Oh. This is a fucking great thing. This is a great... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Steve. I've never wanted to hug you so much as I want to do right now. Fuck toxicity. Fuck, honestly, yeah, Dave. Yeah, well, this yeah. is this is my argument. This is my argument. People absolutely stroke themselves silly over toxicity, right? Uh, it's and, just, oh. and yes, okay, it's maybe their biggest selling album. Uh, so it went Fair to number enough. one in the UK. Yep, it has all the catchy bits and all that. But for me, nothing will beat the first time I heard the guitar intro from Sweet Pea oh. kicking in on that self-titled. It is a fucking phenomenal album. Yep. For me, it is their best album. Yep. Um, it's their heaviest by a clear mile. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it's absolutely. The, I mean, I know Toxicity is produced very well, but production-wise, I think Rick Rubin done a fucking stellar job on this. Yep. Absolutely. Um, it's aggressive. It's quirky. Uh, it has some ridiculously heavy riffs on it. Um, and it, for me, it'll always be my favorite release. I think it is their. I think it is a, an underrated album. Um, and I've totally I've talked myself into it. <laughs> I think you don't have to win us over. And I think the interesting no. thing is, whilst I think all three of us share consensus, I think you're right. I think if anyone ever talks about system of down, it's toxicity. And I understand why. I I, I, mm. I get I get your point, ladies and gents of the fucking metal community. I understand where you're coming from. Yes, it is their most commercial album. Yeah, and it does retain that heaviness. And it is a fucking weird and quirky album. Ain't nowhere near as quirky as that first album. That first album has fucking weird elements and Mr. Bungle ripping out it everywhere. But what I love about it is it's an album where you listen to 
toxicity. Toxicity has a bright vibrancy from start to finish. Yeah. Mm. When you listen to their self-titled, there are some really dark, really, mm. <laughs> really fucking dark moments in there. And moments that are just like pure nuts, like just pure anarchy just recorded. <laughs> um, I think it's got less Dern singing on it, which I think is a fucking great thing. A good thing. thing. Yeah, because yeah. I think the more he got involved with the band, the less <laughs> I was interested. He's also the main reason they just don't do anything now. Um, yeah. And like, it's all his side projects did fuck all. You notice that? It's um, mm. so less of him. But also <laughs> Actually, think- no, I didn't. <laughs> the, <laughs> they also used the tri-vocal really well on that album so you know mm. his kind of really high-pitched wobbly sound Serge's great range that I've got and what's his chops on bass uh, Chavo yeah. uh, mm. his like really low kind of growly thing that he does to perfection on it and I also think it's the one where you get most playfulness in the music like there are sections of toxicity that just sound like the drums are just going to do the same drum beat they did in the previous song <laughs> and the song before mm. that it's all you're all the way right through <laughs> whereas <laughs> when you listen to when you listen to there's there's jazz there's there's punk mm. there's definitely metal but there's weird abstract stuff going on there yeah. as well um yeah, yeah it's that is clearly a country mile their best fucking album and Absolutely. if you disagree with that fuck you <laughs> yes Steve I, yes yes you're Steve when, when we bought when we bought the idea of covering a system of a down song in the band there was just like one guy was like how about something from uh, Toxicity and the rest of were just like no you know <laughs> that man <laughs> no was way. fired from the band yeah, he's like let's do aerials we were like let's not bore ourselves to death and we <laughs> ended up doing uh, Sugar we do that live and it's one of the most songs I play bass in the band and it is one of the most songs most fun songs I've yeah. ever played on bass yeah. it's yeah. all over the place and it's just like and I have to do the backup growling too the screams <laughs> and stuff and it's just like how the fuck am I going to do this it's actually a really simple part but it's just like all over the place and yeah. it's so quirky and it's like <laughs> I, I, I love it. I, I came across... And their song D-Devil D is my favourite oh, song. It's so just, oh, They had the... Yeah, I, 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 I came... Is this some of a down through... It was actually Dave that gave me the album, actually, but I'd heard them before because there was a... Play, I want to say a PlayStation game called Armageddon that had Bruce Willis in it. And it's not the one that you're thinking about, you know, I could stay awake just to see you breathing. <laughs> not that one. You know what I mean? Not that one. I'm sure it was called Armageddon and it was like the end of the world and Bruce Willis has these things. And as he's kind of post-apocalyptic thing and as he's running through one of the levels, there's a giant fucking screen in one of the city hellscapes. It's kind of almost Blade Runner-esque. And... It's System of a Down that are playing it, and it's that, you know, God wants you to go to war. <laughs> and it kicks in, and they, you know, we will fight the people, we will fight the people. Um, yeah. And I, I just remember always going, that's cool as fuck. And then about six months later, me and Dave started hanging out, and uh, Dave gave me a System of a Down album. You like shite, Duncan? Listen to this shit. <laughs> and I was like, thanks very much. 
Big sexy Dave. One day we will have a <laughs> podcast together, and I want to ride you. Um, and I never take it home. I listened to it like on repeat. I bought it like th- like two days later. And when I found that song was on it, my mind was fucking blown. I was like, "There's a whole album of this band. This is fucking incredible." Um, and I've I, the, the, I don't I can't remember the last time I listened to Toxicity. I tell you, the last time I listened to System of Down's uh, self titled album was about a month ago. So mm. there you go. Nice. Wow, Davey's awesome. hitting it in the pot. Davey actually did do work here. <laughs> it makes me feel like I didn't do enough. Cunt. We're not finished yet. <laughs> uh, Kyle, what you got? Oh man, I don't know what I can say now. That's such a good pick. It really it's a is. really fucking good pick because it's controversial right. but legit. Yeah, I remember, I remember having the, the, the sweater of the album cover and I wore it to death. Oh, it was like rags. Cool. Yeah, and I wish I still had it, but I miss it now. Yeah. <laughs> I wore it uh, down to the right. point it could only be used for a cum rag. <laughs> but I didn't because I respected the album too much. I respected the album too much. I did not steal it with my jism. <laughs> I hung it on the wall instead <laughs> and put the sweater in the closet. <laughs> No, all right. I think my next one is going to be. Uh, I kind of want to get you to guess, but you never will. So it's going to be <laughs> Coloss by Meshuggah. Oh, it's not. Ooh, nice. It's not that old an album. It came out after Obzen and before their previous one. Oh, what, six, seven, eight years ago. Yeah. And uh, of course, the previous one. I can't remember the name of it now. I wish I could. Violent Sleep of Reason was recorded mm. live, and the songs in it are incredible. And. I, it blew me the hell away. But the one before that, Colos, it doesn't often get talked about. Like, everyone's always like, bleed, 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 obzen, 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 and you know, obviously Chaos Fear and stuff like that. And I'm like, but Colos is a fucking great album from start to finish. Mm. It might have one bit in the middle where it's a bit samey, but I'm like, I don't care. The rest of it's really good. Like, it's <laughs> definitely Meshuggah, because only Meshuggah can do Meshuggah. Trust me, I've tried. Uh <laughs> But it, yep. they managed to keep it interesting, and they managed to keep it like just great all the way through. The riffs are just mind bending as always, and it's, none of it gets too semi, except for that one little cleany sort of quietie bit in the middle. Mm. But just the first couple of songs where he's screaming about "I am Colossus," I'm like, oh, "Yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> I believe you." you know? <laughs> <laughs> I almost put I'm, a sugar. I'm, I almost put a I almost put on my oh, list because really? I feel like I'm oh, the only one that t- ever likes to talk no. about Chaosphere and then I Me went online Me and my online. talk about Chaosphere all oh, yeah, the time I went online and apparently yeah. <laughs> all this time I've been like that I'm fighting the good fight no apparently there's 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 plenty of people online fighting that fight so oh, I got taken I got taken Carp- off my Carpent- list yeah good idea Carpenter Brute just put out a cover off a song of Chaosphere oh, no. it's like synthwave version of a sugar I haven't checked <laughs> it out yet oh it's so and good I have so to. good I really have to yeah I just haven't gotten around to it yet, but no, Coloss, it's it's an amazing album. It's really good. I think it's overshadowed a little bit by the one that came out after that, Violent Sleeper Reason, because they did it live. Mm. And obviously Obzen was the one that, you know, what's the word? Big Davey's a nothing man, so he'll, he'll hear, yeah. he's hearing what you're saying, but he's he's all I can hear is nothing remastered yeah. and <laughs> with eight string guitars. Yeah. <laughs> as, if, as if they needed that at that point. Is there any way to make yeah. this more technically heavier? Oh, there is an extra string, you see. Bows up. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I got one of those right there. <laughs> <laughs> and another one there. 
Anyway. It's a good choice, yes, actually. Yeah. It's a good choice. Yeah. You're right. No one talks about Clausus. And yeah. I think there's a good three or four songs on there that I legitimately think are up there amongst their best. So Yeah, absolutely. It just uh I don't know I don't get why it doesn't get mentioned. Like I see articles about it and it's just like just completely left alone. Like not yeah. even a mention. It's like, no, this album's really good. Great. And I, I had it on repeat for so long after it came out. And I still give it the odd listen every month or so. Or if not the whole album, like a few songs off it. So mm. that's why it's my number four. Nice. Guess what my number three is going to be? You Ooh. never will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's back around to me. Um, ooh, ooh, where to go? Where to go on my list? Because it's not ordered. Uh, <laughs> here's one. Right, you are arguably the biggest metal band on the planet right now. No, you're not Metallica, so don't worry, I'm not going to talk about them. But you, are, of the modern metal bands, you're right at the top of your game just now. People talk about how fucking great you are. But what they don't talk about is the fact that you had a little name change. <laughs> and when you came back from your little name change, you put out a little album called New American Gospel. You are, of course, Lamb of God. Um, New American Gospel is legitimately groundbreaking and it's weird that when people talk about Lamb of God, they don't talk about how groundbreaking New American Gospel actually fucking is. Yeah. Like, see, when you're talking, if you're charting that whole kind of new wave of American heavy metal, it's weird how Lamb of God are always mentioned, but they talk about the album that came right after New American Gospel and not New American Gospel, which clearly is the album that is the one you should be talking about as a transference of, there's this brand new kind of new thrash kind of styling sound, not quite metalcore, but it's, it's, it's influenced by those thrasher kind of more riff-driven songs that is sweeping America, and these are the bands to watch out. Like, New American Gospel retains all the the nastiness of the stuff they were doing on uh, Burn the Priest, um, and it, it shows glimpses. There's weird, because when you go back and listen to it, there, still to this day, there's little accents and little flavours to almost everything they've done since. Just little bits on the guitar or little bits on the yeah. drums. that to Stuff they would continue coming back to and revisiting and re-evolving and re- redeveloping. The only thing that might be off-putting to anyone, and it should not be off-putting by any stretch of the imagination, is Randy's vocals on it. Because mm. Randy hadn't really found his range. So it's all... Yeah. You know, it's all that really fucking hype, which sounds fucking amazing. It sounds like a, a <laughs> chicken being strangle wanked. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's fucking amazing, right? It's, it like, but it so suits her sound. So suits her sound. Um, but he, he is a vocalist. Don't laugh at me, Dave. He is a vocalist has only developed a really fucking incredible range. And when he found that mid-range, that's when their sound just became... Like much more marketable. Lamb of God, if Randy Bly still sounded like he did on that album with that range, but the music had changed the way the music has changed for that band, they would not be as big. The mm. fact that he found that mid-range, which is far more palatable and far more marketable, even though they are still heavy as balls, um, it wouldn't be. Because, like, no, you can't name a fucking metal band that are as big as a Lamb of God that have a singer that has high-pitched screams as the default vocal style, because there isn't one. Um, And now there is a reason behind that. So his voice adapted, and that's where they became... They appealed to a bigger bass. But, oh my God, 
Like that album, like delivers moments where, it, it, still to this day, when you listen to tracks like uh, Pariah, for example, which, like I said, like will will floor you. Black Label, <laughs> Dave. Oh, Black Label. Is there a better song written on the planet for a for a fucking wall of death? I don't think there is. No. I think if no. you say you have one, you're lying, because uh, the build up to that song demands that people run at each other with fucking flaming torches and pitchforks um yeah I, I think it's the they've went on and become one of the biggest metal bands in the world now rightly so because i think they are deserving of that title i've seen them live three times and and various different stages of them being the band that they are now uh, i saw them the night that if you've ever seen that blurry, Randy Blythe got his nose broke. Uh, <laughs> I saw them that night in Glasgow. Um, so I've seen them in various different stages from playing like moderately large venues to them playing the SECC, like the biggest venue in Glasgow uh, for, for metal bands anyway. Um, and they still have that ferocity and intensity as if they're playing to a small club. And I think that's why they, you know, they deserve the status they have. New American Gospel to me is the one that is always overlooked and it's one that I can go back to every time and just go, this is fuck. This band became the biggest band because it's so fucking raw and it's so just different. Like, look at what came out that year. Nothing sounded like New American Gospel at all. It's fucking amazing. And yeah, it's right to talk about all the albums that have sold kajillion more copies more than you, American Gospel, that's fair. But um, it's, it's up there amongst their best by quite a bit. So, yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Yep. I'd agree with that. I love yeah, that album. Fucking. Just uh, that fucking, that build up in the first track is just like, <laughs> when I heard that snare drum, I was sold. I was just like, yep. <laughs> I am in. It's a big Davy snare drum if ever there was. Oh, totally is. <laughs> Gotta listen to it right after we finish recording. <laughs> That's my number three. Oh, nice, nice. Um, number three. Okay. Oh, he's building them. <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, my last one went did so well. I'm not sure about this one anymore. Okay, so my number three, what I've picked is the second studio album from Every Time I Die. Dude, I am almost oh. picked this. Oh, legit, almost picked this. Legit, almost picked this. Nice. I'm of course talking about 2003's Hot Damn. Um, again, like similar to System of Down, this isn't their biggest or most popular release. Um, and I would say that they do have better albums in their in their back catalogue now, with better songwriting. But this album, it just holds a wee place in my heart. It just just sits in there. It's an album that this has riffs for days, like. <laughs> Riffs for days. Um, this it was back in the day where they didn't really give a fuck about song structure or fucking catchy choruses or anything like that. It's got a fucking raw production that suited the band's sound. Um, and that kind of like chaotic feel they've got, but but it was still memorable. You know what I mean? Um, which is something that like their first album kind of lacked. Yeah. Um, and then over the years they've become even more catchy in their their choruses, which is. Um, but this is this is where they they started to put it all together. Um, it's not a perfect album, uh, but it's an album I go back to on a regular basis. Um, and for me, it, out of their whole catalogue, it's probably the one I feel is the most kind of underrated album. 
Um, I love it. I think if you've never heard Hot Damn by Every Time I Die, then check it out. It's fucking amazing. We, love we that saw album. them live on that tour. Was that? Touch. Oh. Must have. If you, you were there with me, and this will be another one that you can't remember. Did, oh. Stam- did, I'm was, sure they played the Stamping Ground. I, I might was, be wrong. That's what I was going to say. I was just going to say that was the Stamping Ground. Yeah. Um, yep. And Stamping Ground, well, one Stamping Ground were supporting every time I die. Let that fucking sink in. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make it. Like, see what I think about that now? That doesn't make any fucking sense. So, whoever no. booked that, you're a fucking head case. However, um, <laughs> I didn't own the album. You dragged me a lot of that. I had, I had, I had, yeah, I'd only heard the two singles um, on a Ferret Records, because we've been speaking about this earlier, a Ferret <laughs> Re- Records uh, DVD, which had um, a like, compilation um, of music videos for, for bands right. out in it. And um, I, I'd only ever heard the two songs, I'd never heard the album, and I saw them live and like, got the album like, the day after or something, uh, and played that album to fucking death. Um, and very much like the Lamb of God situation, that's one where Keith, the vocalist, has grown into his voice. Yeah. Because um, yeah. he's doing melody, but the melody's not great. It works, yeah. but it's not great. Yeah, it, no, it, it does work, yeah. Uh, but it, it totally works for the sound. And they are all about the playfulness on that album. You're getting like, mm. it, they know exactly the. It's almost as if they wrote the songs for bits where they could just point at the audience and have everyone go. Like do claps. <laughs> the other the other band with it, the cowbell comes out, the do do the do like fucking like everything. It was all quirk and it was all like the the, the band come out on stage. I want to see the guitarists were wearing seventies tennis shorts with sweatbands on the head and they were running while playing. And it was just fucking and it was like the most crazy thing. I, I, by that point, I don't think I'd seen Dillinger Escape Plan, but they were just the craziest thing ever. But that album has, like, there's no band that's... Sit- Dillinger, Dillinger Escape Plan are the band that I like them to, and that Dillinger Escape Plan, like, when you listen to Calculate, Calculate Infinity, no band has ever released an album that sounds like Calculate Infinity. Yeah. And then over time, Dillinger became weirdly more commercial while still being Dillinger mm-hmm. Escape Plan. Every yeah. Time I Die are the same. Like, no band has ever released an album that sounds like Hot Damn. And over time, they've become more commercial and more people have sounded, or tried to sound like the more commercial version of Every Time I Die, but no one sounds like Hot Damn. Mm-hmm. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah, yeah Dave, Love well it. done. Like, Dave's really nice. good at this. I don't want to play this game with Dave anymore. <laughs> <laughs> can, can we just call it? Like, Dave's got the best list. Can we just say that? I'm taking my yeah. list and going home. <laughs> <laughs> all right kale what you got next jesus christ i can't how can i all right I'm he's doing really well i hear him <laughs> yeah uh, you're also, doing pretty good too also he's got a 10 inch bobby you know what i mean which is another reason <laughs> just to hate him he doesn't brag about it either but he knows he has one you can see it in his eye and the mirror I'm putting this in a wee. Oh, what's going on here? <laughs> Foot. Oh. Oh. Number All right. three, Kyle. So, number three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this album is was like, when it was released in 2000 or 1999, Ooh. 2000, I want to say, I think. Yeah. It was critically almost panned it was Mm. not liked it was like it was quite it was a fair wait until this album came out from the previous one six years five or six years and uh people said it was self-indulgent it was too long it was too much of on it 
<laughs> and uh, when I first heard it when it came you're out, you're about to drop saying anger in here because me and Dave are with you a hundred fucking percent. <laughs> it's my number one. <laughs> if you'd have said that, I'd have just logged off. <laughs> but saying that, actually, Sunset Anger songs have grown on me a bit the past few years. Like oh, snare sound, I'll never grow on me, but the songs like are just—they've really grown on me. I'm like, you know so what? Underrated. Actually, this is not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Me and anyway, love that album in a way which makes us hated by everyone that listens to metal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not my album. This one is. Uh, when it came out, I loved it from the first moment I heard it. I listened to the whole thing all the way through, both. CDs of it. It's a double Ooh. album, Ooh. and it, I just went all the way through, and I could not stop, and I still listen to it all the way through to this day. Smashing least... pumpkins? No fucking no. way. I hate them. <laughs> 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 Billy Corgan is the whiniest bitch I've ever heard in my fucking yes. life, and I wish he just fucking drop I, I really, off. I went the. I think I went the opposite way. I'd like, yeah, like, maybe. see, when I was younger, I didn't like the Smashing Pumpkins. The older I get, the more I like their earlier stuff. In a weird way, I should have liked it when I was a teenager. And now, as like a fucking 39 year old man, I'm like, you know, Billy Corgan really speaks to my inner child. <laughs> yeah, of course, he does now. He looks like a bit of one of them now. Anyway, I'm, to, I'm racking my brain to think of double albums that came out. I know. <laughs> wow, really? All right, well, I'll just come out and say it, shall I? It is it. The Fragile by Nine Inch Nails. It's oh. their best album, so you get no it's, no dispute yeah. from me. It's their best album, so yeah. That's, it's I mean, unbelievable. I, I've been listening to it nonstop for 20 fucking years, yeah. and every time I can pick out something I haven't heard before. Every time. And yep. it's just like, it's so unbelievably well-written and well-layered and put together and produced, and it took six years and a drug-fueled rage to write. <laughs> And I'm like, people, I I, re, I I keep reading the reviews from back then, and everyone's like, eh, oh, they hated it. They absolutely, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, everyone's got revisionist history now about that one. I know. Where yeah. they're like, oh, we all called that it was one of the best. And we're like, yeah. no, 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 yeah. you fucking hate it. So, yeah, uh, they did. And people are like, oh, maybe it's a bit underrated. I'm like, no, it's definitely fucking underrated. This album is amazing from front to back. The. The way the songs flow together and the the live show they put together around that as well, unbelievable. Uh, I actually saw them on that tour, and it's the best show I've ever been to. I got the DVD, and I wore out the DVD, and I had to get a new one. Mm -hmm. And then with the DVD, they released still the stripped-back versions oh, of the so songs. It was just, good. Was, and then the remix album that came out after that. It's just like, see, that was great too. <laughs> oh, you just, two guys. Tell you right now, Dave's list is shite. Kyle's list is yep. shit. <laughs> yeah. It's the best album. All right, it's, it's not metal, all right? But fuck, it's such a great album. It is the best album. Everything pales in comparison towards it. Yeah. Like, you've got everything on there from real, like, slow, chilled, laid-back songs about losing yourself to songs about the fucking Hollywood and the music industry and Starfuckers that's really fast paced and it yeah. just all blends together really well. So, like, I, and I was like, I fell in love with it at this as well. Moment. Like he plays yeah. with like, in ways which he'd done on the downward. Oh, sorry, Dave, you're just gonna have to take a seat for a while. We're gonna talk about this. <laughs> yeah. We need to talk about Nanny Snails. Like, but <laughs> the music, like, I don't. I, I don't think people understand how well written that album actually is. Like, yes. there there is musical motifs that he modulates, changes, inverts, and then brings back over and over again throughout the two albums in ways that mm. you don't expect. 
and you can't pick out unless unless you really strip into it. And then he plays with that, like, see when you listen to uh, Into the Void, and it's got the same bass line that's used on the first, you know, the first CD, but in a completely yeah. different context, and he funks it up, and just, he is, like, it's a different fucking level of musicianship. I used to get so much shit for saying, like, because they came out not far off each other, and um, I used to get, like, the from my friends who got me into metal were like, yeah, it's because you're new to this and you don't quite understand what the fuck you're on about. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, Nine Inch Nails' best album is The Fragile and Marlon Manson's best album is Mechanical Animals. And yeah, goddamn and right. no one understands that those are right, yeah. and I still hold that fact. And weirdly enough, and we mentioned them earlier on, they're the two albums that are most influenced by David Bowie. So yeah, it's exactly. the, both those albums channel a lot of Bowie and kind of, you know, renewing yourself, playing with styles, playing with different textures. But it, the if you listen to Downward Spiral, it goes out its way to sound self-destructive and punishing and, and mm. whatnot. And then the Fragile, he deliberately uses instrumentation that shouldn't be recorded the way it's recorded, like broken instruments and, and whatnot. To, to accentuate the, the it's a, a mostly string based recording as well to, to kind of punctuate the idea of fragility and it's just mm. I, I mean people, Dave's heard this argument about a million times and he's probably switched <laughs> off now you see it in his eyes he's like, <laughs> it's because it's, it's the album he's always come back over, to his head's tilt back I think I've given vanish, them you know? <laughs> I think I've told Dave to listen to this album about a hundred times in our friendship I say no like now you can album. go back and listen to it now go back and listen to it because I'm hoping yeah. one day you hear it and you hear it the way I hear it because to me it's it's maybe it's in my top three albums that are written. That's my I like top I think two. it's fucking <laughs> it's incredible. incredible. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I could I could rip the head off your dick right now <laughs> in a sexual way, Kyle. Uh, and I would way. you'd be welcome to <laughs> <laughs> Oh well, I'm so okay. happy now. Are you two are you quite finished? Are you and another reason the last thing I'll say is most <laughs> double albums are self-indulgent. Yeah. Right? And the you listen to them and you're like that, just pick the twelve best songs from that and make one album because there's a whole lot of filler. Mm. Like the Fragile is the only album where I'm like that, I you could have shoved a third C D on you. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I would I would still think it's not long enough. Um, yeah. Well done, man. Goodbye too fast. Oh, I haven't smoked in about 15 years, but I need one now. <laughs> right, let me sing it with this one. Uh, probably the most con- uh, controversial, most commercial band that we've mentioned thus far. Uh, this band have sold maybe more albums than any of the bands we've mentioned on, like, a Monday. <laughs> <laughs> like they must have done in their entire career. Um, interestingly enough, they found their sound, I'm using the quotation marks, uh, on the album that came after their debut album. It's an album that was all over MTV, people loved it, but their album before it was a bit quirkier, it's a bit more funky, Dave. See where I'm going with this. No. He's not. I'd like uh, to go in the direction of Funky Dave. Funky Dave. <laughs> Dave, uh, this is another one where Dave gave me this. You've had quite an impact on my musical enjoyment. And uh, that I You're had welcome. the commercial album that came after this, but I didn't, had never heard the, the album that came before it. Uh, the band is, of course, Incubus. 
Uh, and the album is Science. Um, yep. Science is the album that doesn't get talked about because it's the one that doesn't really have the polish mm. of uh, Make Yourself or Morning View, which are the two albums that everyone talks about when they talk about Incubus. Um, but Science is the one where they are still kind of in that, well, we kind of like that Red Hot Chili Peppers funky vibes and we're bringing it <laughs> over and look at how quirky our decks player is. And yeah, our bass player can play that fucking popping, slapping bass fast as fuck, which he does. Um, but to me, it's the one where the band really show off the musicianship involved. Yeah. Maybe not yep. necessarily the songwriting, because that mm-hmm. came much later on, but the musicianship, the highest calibre musicianship Incubus have ever recorded in an album is on Science. Um, the, like, just across the board drumming is phenomenal uh, Brandon Boyd's vocals are still kind of abrasive he's still doing the kind of screamy stuff on there but his melodies are fucking amazing there's a bit of the old uh, bit of the old bongo drumming uh, which works oh, really yeah. well um, and the guitars are cool uh, you know, just everything about it it's just, and it's a really well recorded album yeah and they do the the melodies, the quirky melodies, and yeah, it's it, to me it's it's a fucking great album, and mm. it's it's maybe top two, top three Incubus for me, and it's the one that no one talks about because when you speak about Incubus, unless you're me and Dave, um, the albums you speak about are the ones that people remember, which are specifically Make Yourself, which was fucking huge, and yeah. Morning View, which was even bigger, and yeah, they've done plenty since, and they're a, they're a band that through pure goodwill, whatever they release, I'll check out. Like, yeah. anything they release, I'll check it out. Even when they went, like, so saccharine and poppy on their releases, I will check them out. I'll, I'll, I'll give them a listen. I really enjoyed their most recent EP, which they released this year, because it had a kind of... It, it kind of had an older feel to it, which yeah. I really enjoyed. And it, there was a weird 80s kind of pop thing going on, which I really enjoyed as well. But, yeah, the, the musicality on Science is ridiculous. For a band that would basically become essentially the metal or kind of alternative rock equivalent of a boy band, because that's how they were marketed post uh, Make Yourself. So yeah, science is yeah. legit, fucking too too cool for school, Dave. Too yeah. legit to uh, quit. Almost made my list. Good man. Yeah, it's a cracking album. Fucking love that album. Yeah, so good. So so Ooh. good. Yeah, and to Saw see them live. play live, oh, stuff man. off that. Especially when you watch that, like a certain shade of green, you're at, but when it breaks in the, the middle and the bass, the, well, oh, he's not in the band anymore. The bass, and they're playing it like twice the speed, yeah, live, and he's still like, and it is tight as fuck. Oh, and they, I still rate that. I still think that they have one of the most underrated drummers. Yeah, he's he's drumming is fucking incredible, and he, no one ever talks about him either. So yeah, no. there you are. Incubus science, love that, love that. Okay, where are we now? It's so number two. Oh, David. Oh, <laughs> what are you doing? I wonder. I wonder if we're going to cross over at any point. No one crosses Has, the streams. There's no. There's no been crossing to the streams so far. Maybe this will be it. So far, so good. Okay, my number two is the 2003 self-titled album from the Deftones. Uh-huh. <laughs> Oh, Davy boy, Davy, Davy, Davy boy. I wonder if Deftones would make it because Deftones are a really good shout for this. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, they've got such a strong back catalogue. Mm. Um, and I think, like, it's one of these bands, like, if you ask someone, if you ask five people, what's your favourite Deftones album? You'd probably get five different answers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because people like them from different eras and different reasons. Um, and personally, while I think White Pony is, is my favourite album, um, I think their self-titled album is seriously underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, quite possibly their heaviest record. Um, the riffs are huge on that album. Um, but the album still has like those elements that make Deftones who they are. Um, after they released White Pony in 2000, I really didn't expect them to come back with an album like this. Yeah. Like, it's got the big, it's got the textures and the big soundscapes and stuff like uh, Minerva being like a good example of that. But it's it's a very riff-driven album. Mm-hmm. Um, the guitar, like the thickness of the guitars on like tracks like When Girls Telephone Boys, it was something that they they hadn't really shown at that level before. Um, but I, I fucking loved it. Um, and it wasn't something they totally abandoned on the albums that followed either. Like Diamond Eyes had some big riffs on it. Um, even Gore, even like as as kind of different as that album sounds, it still has some like moments on it which are quite heavy. Um, but I still believe to this day that their self-titled album did it best. Uh, so that's my pick for number two, Deftones self-titled it's album. A great choice. I think it's the one where because remember the when they released. White Pony and the, <laughs> remember the infamous story about the record label saying you just really need to give us a single <laughs> right. mm. Knife Party's fine and we all love it and uh, yeah but it is, it is a bit stabbing uh, and <laughs> so we're just saying maybe not market and you know um, changing the house of flies <laughs> yeah you quirky guys with your names uh, can we just have <laughs> so they released uh, Back to School which was the the remix, the redub of yeah. uh, I can't even remember the original name on. Oh, I can't. It's gonna annoy me now. Uh, the original song on thing, and then they did the back to school tour where they refused to play it live. We saw them. <laughs> I saw them on that tour. I don't know if you were there. Taproot and yeah, Lincoln that... Park supported. Yeah, yep. yeah, I saw that one. So, which once again, let that sink in. Taproot were the <laughs> opening band. Lincoln Park who just dropped an album. Yeah, came out and played Hybrid Theory, and it sounded fucking amazing live. Not not ashamed to say it. And then Deftones came on stage, and then did not play the song that the record <laughs> label made them put out <laughs> that release. So it did not surprise me that their next album was heavier at all, because it's like they Deftones are the band. They are the band that just don't appear to want to play by any. There's there's many times over the Deftones could have sold out, and they've just never done it. And I kind of <laughs> love that about them. Um, that album has... That's another album that doesn't have a bad song on it. Like at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. I listen on the regular to Pins and Needles. Mm. I think Pins and Needles is one of the best F-Tone songs. I love the you know the, the way it starts and then the, the drums come in off the time when you think it's going to do. And it has this huge chorus. And uh, But there, there are some moments, some of the quieter moments towards the end of the album are... They have that song... Which um, has a discordant piano that kind of drives it. A do, 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 do. It's fucking, oh, I love it. And it's one of the few times, as the examples were mentioned earlier on about the synth player, actually having a prominent part in what they do in the songwriting, because mm. it's mostly yeah. driven by this piano thing and Chino's kind of haunting vocals over the top of it. 
yeah, I think that's a fair shout. I don't, I don't hear nearly enough people talk about that album out with talking about Minerva, which you should talk mm. about because it's fucking huge. Um, yeah. Mm. So yeah, Davy Boy, just, just nice. Is there anything you can't do <laughs> at this stage? <laughs> Time will tell. Kyle, <laughs> what you got next? I'm still here, you're number one, and that's when it all goes tits me. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, I'm not waiting for that. Oh, I can't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. My number two is uh, an album that got the group dropped from the label they were on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to leave oh, with that. No. I don't like this oh. one. <laughs> this is where I think this is going. I don't like this album. But after, but it's actually a really great, great album. It, it, it was the first album in a long time. They'd had one. It came out in oh, 2004. We're fine. We're fine. We're fine. Okay. We're fine. It's not the, the one. The, the album before that came out in 97. No. So it was we quite might... a gap between them. No, no, no. We're all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the albums since then have catapulted that band into even more fame than they rightly deserve, which actually, no, they deserve it because they're amazing. I say band. It's a group. And this was made by one guy. The other two were not included in this uh, in this album. They were included on the tour, of course. But it is. I mean, you both your faces like, what the fuck are you talking about? Just tell us. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, again. It's not strictly metal. It is always outnumber, never outgun by Prodigy. Nice. Ooh. Love that album. <laughs> Fucking love that album. I were love they dropped? That album. Were they dropped off huh? the label because of this album? They got dropped off Maverick. Yeah, they were off. They released their best of afterwards, that, you know, their law best of Prodigy yeah, afterwards, yeah, yeah. and then cut. That's why, yeah, it took them so long to come up with something new, because they were trying to shop a shop an album, a record for a, for an album, and Howlett had... Yeah, and interestingly enough, the album they came out, out yeah. with afterwards is the one that Dave listened to for about a whole year solid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so everything you went in his car, that's all that was... Spitfire was on fucking loop. With Juliet Lewis <laughs> banging at the box, um, love Spitfire. No, that, that's the that's the lead track on uh, Always Outnumbered. It's yeah. uh, Spitfire. As soon as I put that on, I was like, "Yep, I'm in. Sold. Fit. <laughs> done." <laughs> like they they didn't really have any like vocals. Like I think that's why people didn't like it so much. Yeah, because uh, it didn't have any of the lead vocal stuff that was like famous from Firestarter and stuff like that. It just had more sampling and lots of. It was very different. It was a bit more down tempo. It was quite aggressive still. Mm-hmm. But it had a lot less of the sort of jungle stuff, and mm. which found on their last album, they kind of went back to their roots on that one. But this one, it was it was very different, and I think people were expecting more of the same, but they didn't get it, and that's why they didn't necessarily like it that much. But I thought it was a fucking great album. I played mm. it all the time. Mm-hmm. I've still got it up on the shelf. <laughs> I listen to it not as often as I should, but I mean, it still comes on every now and then, and I have a good time with the singles at least. So I think. Uh, I think it's a criminally underrated album. It's got some great stuff on there. And really good sampling skills, of course, from Liam Howlett, because, of course, he's just the god of sampling. But, <laughs> like, the, the song Memphis Bells, the way he did that bell, yeah. I have no idea how he did it still. I've tried to recreate I have six cowbells in my house, and I still can't get it. <laughs> <laughs> the same, no amounts of processing, and I'm just like, okay, you're just the god. I'm just going to listen to it. Forget it. I'm not trying to recreate this anymore. <laughs> So yeah, always outnumbered, never outgunned by Prodigy. It's a fucking nice. Great album. 
It's a great album. It doesn't have yeah. enough songs about Baby having a temper like the previous album. How that yeah. one's not fucking got them dry, I don't know. I don't know. It's a great fucking Not album. enough contro- controversy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, there we they go. They got sued for that song, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, Whoa. And then they're like, no, we're just going to have some guns now. Like, oh, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Maverick's a weird label. Like they had Deftones yeah. for the longest time as well. So really? there you go. So yeah, Deftones and Prodigy were on the same label. And Tantric as well. Oh, yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> for no reason at all. Um, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Um, Thanks. I'm going... <laughs> I'm just going to go with it, right? Um, <laughs> I think if you're a fan of this band, this is a dirty album. This is an album that you... <laughs> Don't really like to acknowledge. Um, there's a reason you don't really like to acknowledge, because one of the guitarists took over a more prominent role in the writing, um, and as a result of that, there's maybe Is this less just down again. No, it's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's maybe less of the lead guitar work you would expect. Um, Slayer, no? As Dave, you've called it. You've called it already. <laughs> uh, Slayer have one album, which, not the punk one, uh, before everyone starts going there. Slayer have one album that people look at and say, that's when Slayer tried to go new metal, and they don't like it. And you're all fucking wrong, because Out With Stain of Mind, which is, right, arguably a Cold Chamber riff, it's, <laughs> it's local, right? And there's still kind of around that. It's local <laughs> where solo, right? <laughs> Which kind of rhymes, and that's going to be the new name of my autobiography, Local Whistle, <laughs> um, coming November 2023, 20, which is the, the, you know, the month I'll die. Um, just guessing. Uh, you see this shit, it's a podcast, and if I do die, he, you know, I mean, that's scary. So anything else I've said, like Fleek, for example, that sounds ominous now. Um, look, to me, like, Di- Diabolus and Musica is fucking brilliant. It's another one where... I really like the songwriting. I really like it's. I, it's not nearly as fast as the other Slayer albums, but I think that's a deliberate choice. Is them trying something a bit different? They definitely detune further um, in it. And you know, Kerry King was listening to a lot of new metal at the time. People act as if that's a bad thing. I don't, it's a great I, album. It's one of my favourites from Slayer, I, up there yeah. with World Painted Blood. It's yeah, amazing. I, it's, it's got it's so many fucking amazing songs in it. It see, does. You, see, the first time I listened to Pin, like, the hair on the back of my neck went up. It is, like, it's just an evil, angry fucking sound. I love Tom Mariah's vocals front to back on this one as well. Is that kind of staccato, not rap. People will argue it's rap. You don't know what rap is. Um, like the <laughs> like the, the kind of staccato, like shouty thing that Araya does, but he sounds really pissed off, like really, really, really angry. Um, and some of the riffs are just brilliant. It is front to back a fucking proper mosh pit head banging album, um, mm. and I think it's I think it's brilliant. I think uh, is unfairly maligned because there are a couple of songs that deliberately go much slower than Slayer had done before um, mm. and maybe much more kind of headbangy groove than Slayer had done before and thus people thought that Slayer were selling out. Trust me, like Slayer could never sell out. That's the whole fucking point. It took 25 years for Slayer to become like this like 
non-stop colossus machine that they became in the last 10 years of their, their touring cycle where they could just basically do whatever the fuck they wanted. It took that long. Until that point, they were still scrapping and scraping for everything they, they could get. And Diabolos, Diabolos and Musica is a great example of that. I think Paul Bostaff's strumming is brilliant on it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think just it's easy, fucking really, really well written. Once again, really well re- recorded, fucking great heavy metal album. Um, interestingly enough, I, I, it was a toy cost between this and God Hates Us All, which I also <laughs> think is a criminally underrated Slayer album which it was the first one they did after this. They'd been away for a wee while and they come back and it's another album that has a couple of, like, Here Comes the Pain, which is... You know, that's the riff. That's a new metal riff. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. They still had that in there and that's how Kerry King was writing his riffs. I'll tell you right now, if that's how Kerry King writes his riffs, write more of them. I fucking love it. Yeah. Um, but Diabolos, Diabolos and Musica is an album that I... Still listen to, um, and I've seen Slayer twice, and both times they played Stay in the Mind, and it was my highlight of the gig. I fucking, <laughs> I love that song more than I should. I it love that my song. Favorite Slayer album, yeah. I'll tell you, it's so there it's you go. The one. It's like yeah. So, I, but I yeah, like if that. you if you ask someone to do a Slayer list, um, there are plenty of Slayer <laughs> albums that appear much further up the list than Diabolus yeah. Musica, and I don't necessarily yeah. think that's right. No. I agree. There we go. Nice one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Next, number one. It's God oh. Hates Us All by Slayer. <laughs> uh, Dave has picked it because I did not pick it and he wants to make sure we cover both bases. Good work, Dave. <laughs> this bump. That's teamwork. <laughs> no. My number one. Is The Pick of Destiny by Tenacious D. Uh, everyone loves that first album but the soundtrack that accompanied the movie is really killer shit no no my number one underrated album is none other than nothing by Meshuga does not surprise me does not surprise me love it you'll notice I stayed pretty quiet while Kyle Kyle was talking about Call Loss I never said anything Uh, and the reason for that was because I Not even have I it. mentioned nothing when I was mentioning Cole. No, no, no. <laughs> um, most of my my kind of underrated picks um, haven't necessarily been like my favourite albums by the band, mm-hmm. but in this case, this is indeed the best thing that Meshuga have ever done. Controversial wow, um, statement. I, I, it is controversial. <laughs> um, <That> is. <laughs> originally released in two thousand and two. But then re-recorded and remastered in two thousand and six. I love both versions, I do. Um, But the two thousand and six version came with eight string guitars. (laughs) (laughs) I told you, I set this up. I I foresee it coming. Maybe I will die in two thousand and thirty-three. I'm I'm fucking worried now. (laughs) This 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 episode is going to be downloaded to fuck if that happens. Um, yeah, the 2006 one, those the, the re-recording and the eight-string guitars. What a what a difference! Um, the tone on that album it just annihilates me every time I hear it. Uh, when when that riff kicks in on Stenga, I, I just I just can't be help can't help be totally sucked in by that album. Um, the original version was done uh, with real drums, 
the re-recorded version wasn't. So I do occasionally go back to the 2002 version every now and again. Um, I do agree it has probably a more natural feel to it. Um, you can hear all the little like ghost notes and subtleties of like, the symbols and stuff. It's a little bit muddier overall. Um, but I, yeah, I do like both versions, but the re-recording... It just sounds pristine. I love the production. I love the guitar tone. Um, I think it's one of the best guitar tones I've had. Um, and one of the best productions for me. Like, I know a lot of people go on about Obzen, but I didn't love the production on that album. Hmm. Um, I think I had a lot of good tracks, but it was quite thin sounding, I thought, overall. Um, this is just fucking heavy and meaty as fuck. Uh, I love this album. I go back to it constantly. Um, I mean, to be honest, there's, I don't think they have a bad album. Um, they're one of those one of those bands that very rarely put anything out that's, that's shite. Um, so I have a lot of favourite Meshuggah albums, but this one just, it's the top of my list. I just fucking love this album. And it's, it, I'm, pro- I'm very much in the minority. I know that, but, um, mm. but yeah, I just I love it. Fucking love it. Nice. I, I agree. When they came with the eight string, I was like, "Yeah, absolutely sold from the first second. Just, yep, you keep doing more of that." And they did. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and then they made me buy an eight string guitar, and I tried to write a Meshuggah album, and it was a three track EP of Meshuggah Light. And uh, I, I like it. I, got, I, I, I do like Meshuggah Light if I'm driving, though. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> really refreshing on the road. <laughs> Yes, that is my number one, Kyle. It's a fantastic number one. Um, yes, it is. I feel like I'm outdone, outgunned. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Well, okay. This one was released in 1995, <laughs> and uh, a lot of 90s uh, albums in this, isn't there? There are. I think a lot. <laughs> it's not metal at all because I didn't of, get them. Think about the 90s, though. The 90s are a decade. Like in general, where like hair metal is no longer cool, grunge is kind of like, especially by the mid nineties, grunge is kind of dead by that point. That was going to kill it. New metal's kind of taken off, and no one really knows what that is yet. And Machine Head are doing kind of thrash stuff. There's a lot of hardcore shit. So it's just a big mix. It's a big mix and yeah. a lot of shit in the nineties. So it doesn't surprise me that a lot of the underrated ones are here. So yeah, I agree. Actually, yeah. Not metal though is what you said, Kyle. I'm now. I know. Super yeah. I didn't get the memo. This was a metal podcast. This isn't metal at all. But I mean, you gave me the thing, and I was like, "Well, I have to put it in because it's my favorite underrated album ever by anyone ever." It's Oasis and, it was, and it's Wonderwall. It's so underrated. <laughs> Rolling Stone gave it one star. Oh god! Ooh. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! What is this? Uh, it came out to critical. Just they hey, fucking hated it. They didn't understand it. They didn't know what was going on. They were just like, "What is happening with this guy?" He's had so many good albums since the early seventies, late seventies. <laughs> it was recorded in England by an English artist, and uh, this was around the time he was getting friendly and into well, not into bed, but into the same sort of things with Trent Reznor. And this is uh, "Outside" by David Bowie. Yes, oh. nice workman. <laughs> I listen to this album all the time. It really songs off it. It's on my playlist just all the fucking time. I love it. I have no idea why people hate this. It's just, it's weird. It's got industrial stuff. It's strange. It's a concept album. Mm-hmm. It's a weird concept album. I'll give you that. But 
<laughs> telling the story about art crime in 1999, the futuristic future of 1995, you know, <laughs> and it's like, okay, cool. And I was sold within minutes. It was, uh, I just love everything, especially uh, when um, it, that song was remixed. I think it was by Trent Reznor. I don't remember. Anyway, there's a remix of that one song that I love as well. And uh, it just it always makes me go back and listen to the whole thing over again. Every time I hear that one song. And I just, it's my favorite under it because everybody hated it when it came out. And now, even now, it's like people are starting to be like, yeah, maybe it was underrated. I read an article not long ago and they had it in like number, the seventh spot of Bowie's best albums. I'm like, you bastards are lying. You <laughs> gave this one fucking star in the 90s. Dependent in spot number seven now. Yeah, I see what you're doing. I've loved it since back then. You can't stop me, you fuckers. He did a, he did a weird bout. <laughs> Like it, it, like from that album onwards, because like, he toured with Nine Inch Nails, and they yeah. got on like a house on fire, which is weird. Like, see if you yeah. ever see the interviews, uh, Trent Reznor yeah. and and David Bowie, where like basically Trent Reznor sitting beside, like essentially his musical idol, and he's trying yeah. to act all cool, <laughs> and David yeah, Bowie and just coming across. Yeah, it. <laughs> David Bowie just is cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he did the, he did that album. What was it like? It was two years after is a. Earthling, Earthling, so one that has yeah. um, mm. I'm Afraid of Americans, which like Trent yeah, Reznor does a remix on, which is fucking amazing. Yeah, everything and one you're of my seeing, favorite Bowie songs, Little Wonder on that album, yeah. that was a oh. fantastic song. Oh, oh. Yeah. look how disgusted Dave is. Dave's not I a Bowie fan. <laughs> I don't get it's like, that. how do you fucking bring David Bowie onto this metal podcast, you <laughs> goddamn Norwegian fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I like you said underrated. This is the most underrated of albums ever been. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think I've ever heard from it. Rolling Stone. But you've never. Oh, you got it. It's like it's weird. It's weird. like you think of David Bowie and he's done some weird songs and strange stuff and reinvented himself a billion times. But this one is out there. It <laughs> is like it's like if Ministry didn't have guitar. It's it's <laughs> super. It is really out there. And if Ministry could write good songs. Hi <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, they got a couple, but I mean, it is uh, it's unbelievable, and I just don't, I, I can't, I do get where people are coming from when they say it was, you know, self-indulgent, and it's got too many words in between the songs. There's like talky bits in between the songs, but I loved it. I was like, all right, fine, I get it, but fuck you, you're wrong. I, I'd listen to David <laughs> Bowie read the fucking phone book, so I don't care what the wrong book. I just I listen to them just list the letters in the alphabet. Yeah. <laughs> I B I. C D <laughs> E F G. <laughs> oh, stop it! I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting some. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so yeah, David Bowie, outside. Listen to it. It's fucking. It's an amazing album, and you'll never expect it from him either. That's the thing. It was like he was like sort of always on the pop rock yeah. kind of in between all that, and then he came out with this, and it was like, what is this? This is slabs of concrete rubbing against each other. But it was great. <laughs> you want to go back and check out the labyrinth? You will see his dick outlined through a pair of tiles <laughs> as he's rubbing a pair of balls in his hands. Greatest moment ever. Hey Google, play Labyrinth. <laughs> well, oh, like, I saw my baby oh, crying God. hard as babe could cry. I fucking love David Bowie, man. Honestly, I will not put yeah, you through the rest because I've got the cold. Um, <laughs> suffice Ooh. to say, I did dance the magic dance. Uh, so fucking Sorry, Dave. Man. I saw it. That's okay, Kyle. Next time you'll have to make the stipulation. Five underrated metal albums. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not two metal albums, one kind of and two not. You fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, go that topic turned awesome. great. Yeah. Um, if you if you've listened to that and you think we are completely wrong, let us know. What what are your top five? There are going to be many people that think <laughs> I'm wrong about that. <laughs> yep, send us your hate, whatever. Um, what do you think? What is your top five underrated albums? Let us know. It, it's, it's safe to say Kyle picked. Uh, if we're talking about underrated album, Kyle, um, Kyle's list there are two albums that are generally hated by the critics. <laughs> so you're maybe your your list is maybe the most accurate. <laughs> like in terms of fitting the brief even though the two albums you picked are not within the genre so yeah. I'll take that I'll take that yeah. uh, you're going to tell accuracy them, not genre Dave's got the <laughs> Dave floated the topic for the next next podcast and I can't I've I put more effort into that one I, I've been listening to so much shit uh, do you want to tell people what we'll be covering next month Dave? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I've got a few ideas for topics, but the one that we kind of have been playing around with um, is top five metal cover songs. See, they so, stipulated metal this time. Yes, I have. Yep. <laughs> you heard it here. It's been recorded. <laughs> top five metal cover songs. So it's get your Richard thinking hats doing on. Down with the sickness. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh no, sorry, it's not metal songs being cut. All right, I see what you're saying. Metal artists covering other people's songs. Got it now, Dave. Yes. No, that's fine. So, next podcast, we will put our thinking caps on and we'll be discussing our top five metal cover songs. Yeah. Is, is it metal covers of metal co- metal songs? No. It's just. It, or just metal covers well, of whatever. Just metal bands covering songs. Songs? Song. Yeah, songs. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I just had to make sure I don't want to be called out again because it's October. <laughs> I'll let you know if your list doesn't contain at least one typo negative cover of a song, then your list is wrong. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Uh, like, see, you listen to typo covers, all of them are fucking amazing. So, just saying, <laughs> that might be giving away too much. I retract that, <laughs> so you'll be surprised next month. Top five, so that means ordered. All right, Dave. Oh, fuck shit, right. <laughs> Top five. He said, top, I bet you show up next, man. I didn't order them. Oh, we'll see. Really? No, they'll be ordered. They'll be ordered. So, yeah, you got that to look forward to. Um, next, though, we are jumping into another album review. Yes, people. It is album review time once again. And for this review, Duncan, Kyle, and myself have been checking out the new album from Danish metal band, Defecto. The band's new album, Duality, will be released on October 23rd via Black Lodge. So, uh, Defecto are a progressive metal band from Copenhagen, Denmark. They were formed in 2011 by Nicholas Sauna uh, with the help of legendary producer Fleming Rasmussen. They've released one EP and Duality will be their third full-length album. Okay, gents. Defecto. Okay, so I'm going to be pretty upfront here. On my first listen to this album, I really wasn't sure how I felt about it. Oh. Like I got, I got to the end of the album, and I was just like, "What? What did I just listen to?" <laughs> it, it was, it was so like all over the place. Like there were, there were tracks on the album where I was totally in for the ride. The album opener, for example, I was totally hooked in. It's, it's groovy, it's riffy, it's got catchy hooks. There's even a fucking choir in there, you know, just to make that chorus a wee bit more epic. <laughs> and then there were tracks that I just, I don't know, I just didn't have any connection with on first listen. So I took a kind of a break from it 
and then I had a little look online, a little bit of a read on uh, Defecto and um, about the band and the album, and then I found out that these guys have supported bands like Ramstein and Metallica. All right, so <laughs> now bo- both of those bands couldn't be more different, although Lars is a huge cock, so there is that similarity, but it kind of made Defecto sound dark to make sense. Yep. That there, you know what I mean? That there are tracks on here where the band will go full throttle, you know, big, heavy, progressive riffs, there's bits of thrash, there's bits of groove metal in there, and then there are these, like, big radio-friendly, like, rock ballads. Yep. And I think, like, on the first listen, I think it was those moments on the album that had me kind of perplexed, like, going from a track like The Uninvited, which has riffs that like weren't dissimilar to something on the new like Orbit Culture album yep. or a track like Rise which is like this kind of like a kind of Volbeat kind of metal stomp to it mm-hmm. and then they go to like Paradigm of Deceit which wouldn't be out of place on a, on a Doctory album or something like that you know what I mean it's just I was just like what the fuck is going on and, and maybe like fans of the band are totally expecting this type of thing from Defecto I have no idea I'd never heard them before uh, before listening to this album so the mix of styles threw me for a loop on first listen um, I don't know if I'm in the minority there what about you guys how did you feel on first listen to this Dunk um, uh, yeah I think you're I think you're pretty right interesting when you said that they'd supported Ramstein my initial thought was do hast my attention Dave <laughs> um, that's right right there um, <laughs> don't laugh at me the <laughs> Yeah, like we spoke about this just before we hit record, and I think me and Kyle, interestingly enough, twinsied up on this moment here. Um, what I got from them was waves and waves of more commercial sounding Avenged Sevenfold than mm. anything else. Now, admittedly, you have since spoke to us and said, listen, I don't even think I even know what Avenged Sevenfold sounds like. That's fine. No. But <laughs> it's, it's within this realm. It's not like totally within right. this realm because guitar wise, the Avenged Sevenfold guitarists are better, and I mean no disrespect to that, in terms of the virtuosity they show on their guitars. A lot more solos, a lot more kind of. You kind of. A lot more of that in their music. However, like in the, the core of how they do their songwriting, this is in line with it, to be fair. Okay. Um, and also, it doesn't help that their vocalist sounds like a cross between. The, Cunt from Alterbridge and Dude from yeah. Avenged Sevenfold. If they were put in the Brundle Fly Machine and came out as a combined conjoined singer, that's kind of how they sound because the kind of more mid rangey sort of stuff sounds very much like Avenged Sevenfold, but then he'll start moving up at that higher kind of falsetto tone, which yeah. is very much in line with something like an Alterbridge. Miles, whatever his name is. Um, so it's, it's kind of it's like a cross between those two. The songwriting is, for the most part, fairly conventional, I think, though. Uh, I think they, they do have the groove stuff, and they do have the... They use, like, um, at times weird industrial loops to begin songs, and a bit of orchestration in there, which sounds fine. But this is a, a fairly... run-of-the-mill, commercial-sounding album. There's a, I, From what I listen to here, there's at least three or four songs that I would say would play really well on commercial rock radio or commercial metal mm-hmm. radio easily. Um, and th- interestingly enough in a slightly different turn from where you're coming from 
uh, to an extent. The big thing that kind of threw me about Defecto is how unremarkable they sound overall. You mean the the sound this to me is the epitome of a mainstream metal band. That's exactly mm. what they sounded like. Very radio friendly. Um, that's not to take away from that is a difficult thing to be to be able to write catchy, memorable songs. The choruses were all catchy, big, you know, thrusting, you know, loud, uplifting choruses, uh, and a lot of groove, kind of driven verses. There were a couple of quieter moments in the album. They sounded fine as well, but uh, even the production, the production's really well done here. You know, it's a modern, vibrant-sounding production. To me, there just isn't anything hugely remarkable or different about Defecto to a lot of other mainstream rock or slash metal bands that I've heard before. They do it very well, but nothing... nothing. There's no one element in here that I'm like that. That's the hook that gets me in here. This is the sort of thing that could easily play in the background, uh, like, and no disrespect to you, the background of a barbecue, or if I was in a, you know, like a rock bar when those things were still open, uh, and ordering a couple of pints and, and drinking with my friends. If this was playing in the background, I would be very happy. But at no point grabbed my attention. I was never thrust mm. into to really wanting to see what was written musically there, or really much more than a. It's a very superficial album. There isn't very much depth here in terms of the songwriting, in my opinion. I I, I mean, it's easy. A very easy to listen to album. I think I'm trying to choose my words because most of the words, when I'm thinking about them in my head, come across as negative. And I did not dislike this album. I just didn't love it. Okay. Okay. Um, I I wasn't sure about it at first, as I said. Um, But... On my third listen to the album, it, it just it kind of fell into place. I, I don't know if it just, I needed time to let it kind of marinate, I'm not sure, but I started to kind of understand where, um, what, or what they were trying to accomplish. Um, Defecto for me are a, a band that kind of fall into the, the same category alongside bands like your Volbeat, uh, Bad Wolves to an extent. Um, uh, Alter Bridge, even Fozzy at times as well. Um, bands that do have a heavier edge, but they balance out their sound with more kind of radio-friendly moments. And I think I, once I got that around my head, I, I kind of got on board with it a lot quicker. Um, yes, some of it is a little saccharine at times, but for me, like you can't deny they can write a fucking chorus. Like as much as I thought, uh, like tracks like Washed Away had a very poppy feel musically. The chorus is an absolute banger. Like. Same with um, The Tempest, which comes near the end of the album, uh, which is one of the kind of more kind of groovier tracks. It's a bit got a bit more of a kind of metal feel to it with the syncopated riffs and uh, bass drums. But the chorus, again, an absolute anthem. And I think a lot of those qualities come from the vocalist. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he has a fantastic range. Um, and it's something that gets mentioned a lot with Miles from uh, Alter Bridge. But um, I think he pushes his vocals into place that are quite impressive to listen to. Um, and I think he's got a great tone, uh, both on the kind of clean side and the heavier parts where he goes more at that kind of, almost kind of like a meta, met, more metally kind of growl. Um, they're not sure there are parts on here that are a uh, touch on the the schmaltzy side, um, for want of a better word. Um, I still, but I still think it's a very, for me, it's a very enjoyable album. Um, and I can't kind of refute the fact that the band don't have some really good writing chops. Most of it's well executed and extremely catchy. 
and I'm not ashamed to say I was singing along to a lot of those vocal melodies. <laughs> Dave's uh, got a beautiful singing it. voice as well, so anyone in that room that heard that was treated. Doesn't let it often, but oh my god, voice of an angel. <laughs> um, and I did, I did feel that there, there was quite a kind of varied selection of styles on there. Like, for, and for a band that mixed so many different styles on each track, I thought they blended it very well. It never felt like the, the kind of transitions were clunky or poorly executed. Um, for me, I think like favourite tracks that I really liked Uninvited. I think it's a track that's equally heavy as it is catchy. Um, I really dug the guitar tone and the groove on All For You as much as has a lot of kind of poppy elements with the synths and chord progressions. Um, I think Washed Away has such a, a kind of big uplifting anthemic chorus. Uh, Tempest as well actually is a great all-rounder, kind of big progressive groove wrist with that kind of hook-laden chorus. Um, so what I'm, I'm trying to say is like I think for this one it was one that definitely grew on me. Um, first listen, wasn't sure. Second listen, still a bit unsure. Third listen, something happened and it just kind of clicked. Um, and after that, I kind of kind of got on board with it and I, I kind of enjoy it more and more every time I listen to it now. Um, it's not the most, you know, groundbreaking thing I've ever heard in my life, but um, but I enjoyed it. I thought it had a really good production on it. Um, the choruses, as I said, very well written, very catchy. Um, and yeah a lot of it is radio friendly but there are moments on there where they do go a bit heavier um, a bit more of a kind of metal edge more, more metal edge but um, yeah I, I, I did really enjoy this one um, Kyle mm. what, what was your thoughts? I never heard of them before ever and you think you would have done uh, since I know. they supported such massive <laughs> bands and yeah. they're from Denmark which is just across the water and maybe another country but <laughs> <laughs> they're there <laughs> but I mean, it's I'm I'm I think I'm in between you two. I didn't hate it, not by a long shot. I liked it quite a lot, but I didn't over love it either. I was like, mm -hmm. the first listen, I was a bit like unsure as well. I liked a lot of the parts of it, like especially the opening and the yeah. track, the uninvited. I was like, I was on board with those, and then they started mixing all these other things in, and it's like. One thing, it's good to mix all these styles together and make sure the transitions aren't clunky and that they do things smoothly and that everything's ex executed really well, which it is, and they're really good musicians. And the production by Fleming is fantastic. He has a really good talent at finding the exact right production for the band he's working with. Mm. It's, I don't know how he does it, but it's, it's never over-polished and it's never under-polished, and it's always exactly what that band needs for that particular album at that time. And I love his production style. Um, so I think it was a great choice of them to go with him. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, the album, I don't know, there's a band, I don't know if you've heard of them, called Major Tom, and they do the style switching kind of thing, and these, these reminded me of them quite a lot, a friend of mine introduced me to them a couple of years ago, and they're really, really, really good at what they do, they can make a fucking heavy song out of the dude's voice and a piano, and it sounds heavy as fuck. Mm. These guys reminded me, but they didn't quite capture that kind of thing that I've heard before. So it felt a little bit sort of weak, like you're just mixing in elements just for the sake of it almost, a little bit superficially. That's how it felt sometimes. Mm -hmm. But then they did it so well, so I, I kind of let them pass and it was like, yeah, maybe you just, that's just who you are, that's fine. I don't really know I'm going with this, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. It's a, I'd heard it before and I'd heard it done so well that I think this, it wasn't disappointing that they did it but it was just sort of like i've heard it done been done so well and they just didn't quite reach that level of you know mixing the genres together it felt like more they were playing now as a heavy metal riff now as a pop riff now as a blah 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 
where the other I've heard things done where they really blend everything in super well like you can make a heavy song out of a piano and a voice mm. and it, it works it's a really heavy riff but it's just played on a piano super angrily and it's, it's not just that it's got some other stuff too but and so I think holding it up to that kind of stuff it, it kind of paled a little bit and then there was the whole thing about I mean the production was perfect but the whole thing was the M Shadows voice yeah. Revenge Sevenfold. It was like, I mean, that's it's not M Shadows. I honestly, I thought, is that? Is yeah, it? I, had to, I had to Google nah, it. It's the not. first time I've checked out. Uh, like, actually, yeah. did some reading into a band before yeah. a review because I was convinced this was a side project or something. We need a sound of. effect now. Like, he read the sheet. <laughs> didn't read the sheet. Googled it. Googled it just to make sure that wow. he didn't like it's do guest vocals. Further. Or something yeah. like because it was it was the second track and I was like this is a long guest appearance <laughs> it's like yeah, right. for two fucking tracks what yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's uncanny it is it sounds a lot like him I don't know if he's an influence or if they just naturally sound similar but whatever it's fine it doesn't bother me really but I mean the one thing that bothered me is there too many shreddy guitar solos on this I picked that up really quickly after on the second listen through I was like hang on I've heard this fucking thing. 15 times and we're on track three you know <laughs> like there was i mean it wasn't really so it was just like little bits in there it's like we get it bro you riff you know and <laughs> do you even riff bro i you know yeah he's got that t-shirt and he laughs at himself in the mirror when he sees himself <laughs> <laughs> and it's not to say that the bad solos they're actually quite tasteful and a lot of them well some of them aren't so tasteful there's a lot of like shredding and stuff and it's like okay but it doesn't always fit and i think it was too much and for that it just sort of ruined it a little bit for me once i'd noticed it i couldn't unhear it and i was like oh, you know <laughs> so uh, but no standout track is definitely tempest that one absolutely as the kids say is on fleek <laughs> <laughs> Also, all for you. There's like uh, that's one of the heaviest riffs I've heard in a long time from a band that's not like strictly metal. They're more progressive and mixing styles, and that one was a great riff in All for You. That was really good. Mm. But the standout song for me is definitely Tempest. And it's it's towards the end of the album, and to, to be honest, like towards the end, I was like, mm, it's enough. This could have ended two songs ago mm. if you cut out like Bed of Nails and Condemned and just left it at you know eight songs. I think it would have been a much better listen. But I didn't hate it, not by a long shot. I quite liked it, but I think just because I've experienced other bands that have mixed styles so much more expertly, it just uh, didn't, didn't hit all the way. Okay. Mm. Nice one. Um, Rating-wise, um, I think for me, um, I'd probably go with a four for me. Um, I think once it clicked, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think due to how kind of varied it is, it'll have a kind of very wide appeal in the kind of metal and rock kind of community. And I hope that those that don't instantly gel with it give it a second spin. Uh, I'm glad I did because um, I've actually kind of grown to really like it. So I'm going to go four out of five. Uh, Duncan, where are you sitting? Uh, same as the previous one, three point five. Nice. And Kyle. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going with Duncan on this one, three and a half. And a half. Nice one. Cool. Um, let us know what you think when you hear the album. Happy to hear your thoughts. If you want to check out the band, you'll find them at facebook.com forward slash defecto band. Hope you enjoyed the review. Um, okay, guys, we're, uh, we're nearing the end of this podcast. Um, I've got one more song to play for you. One more song. 
<laughs> and then we are out. Um, our final. <laughs> um, I noticed that the songs in this podcast have got progressively heavier, so um, I'm finishing it off with something extremely heavy. Um, the last track on our podcast comes from Deeds of Flesh, the technical death metal pioneers. They've just put out a new single. It's called uh, Alien Scourge. Uh, the single marks their return after a seven-year hiatus taken from their ninth studio album, Nucleus, which is set for release via Unique Leader Records on the 11th of December. The band's first release since the tragic passing of the guitarist, vocalist and Unique Leader founder Eric Lindmark, who lost the battle with sclerosis in 2018. Uh, Nucleus features various guest performances from some of the biggest names in extreme metal to celebrate his life and contribution to metal. Um, I love this track, I hope you do too. And you can check out the band at facebook.com forward slash deeds of flesh official for more info. Um, this is us signing off um, hope you enjoyed the podcast we'll be back next month with another show with lots more stuff to talk about uh, and more topics for discussion and uh, take care and we'll speak to you soon this is Deeds of Flesh and uh, catch you later bye everyone see you next time on a metal podcast <laughs>
Eternity.